The future is now. Finding the NOSO has never been easier. Subscribe to us on our new YouTube channel, follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and TikTok, and bookmark the new home for No Holds Barred, The Jenny Position, Wrestling War Zone, and all your favorite NOSO podcasts at NorthSouthConnection.com. It's New Year, New NOSO, NorthSouthConnection.com. South Connection, welcome to episode number 23 of the Seven Months of Danger podcast, and we have reached the end, the finale. The, it's gone. We're done. We're finished. We have, we were, we're absolutely done after we record this pod. Some of us are a little sad. Some of us are a little happy. For me, I am just thrilled to death that we have actually reached the end of a pod, and we have completed a pod after this episode. So I am not alone. I am here with my fellow podsters that I have done this whole run with. And our special guest star who joins us for every single one when we cover a pay-per-view match. So I'm glad he can be here on the finale. I will start with him first. Jacob Williams, how are you tonight? They said, I bet Sean Logan, Schiff, and Matt will never make it. But just mm-hmm. look at them holding on. Mm-hmm. Still going strong. You're still the pot I run to. Very happy to be here for the uh, finale. I'll cut it off at that, but um, man, man, kudos, guys! You did it. Twenty-three episodes. You finished a pod. Something I'm probably never going to do, but maybe I'll put this on my record. Yeah, we were uh, talking on. We were talking on a recording. It's like, man, we were trying to think about: has anybody actually made a pod completion? Now, to be fair, some have exceeded much past twenty-three. What's highway on right now, Logan? Uh, Seventy. Three or seventy-four, something like that. Yeah. So, I mean, to be fair, we did time it out to be kind of a mini pod, but I'm glad we can actually finish it out. Uh, Scott Shifflett, how are you? Oh, I'm a little sad. Some say it's the end of the road. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I can't did. Let go. 
Yeah. I, I did love it's, Jacob Twain's. It's so it's natural. Terrible. It's so natural. Yeah. The pod does. This pod does have boys to men. Boys like <laughs> Logan and Chip all the way to. <laughs> an old man. An old man. Boys Actually, Chip's older, older than Susa, so Susa. Yeah, that's true. He's is the youngest really? spirit, though. Uh, You're younger than Chip. That's 100% true. I am. He is a boyish spirit. Oh, my God. I have to redo everything. I can't call you Uncle Matt anymore. Okay, I have to rethink this. You couldn't That's call me it before. It never made sense. <laughs> my, <laughs> my God. Uh, you don't even know the ages of your children. God damn. Uh, or your right. brother. Right. Matt, all right, Uncle Matt Souza, how are you tonight? <laughs> uh, hello. Doing great. Yes, I am very young. Uh, I am a boy and a boys to men. Uh, but uh, glad we're here. Uh, uh, kind of glad we're done. Not gonna lie, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> but I, I have greatly enjoyed potting with you, gentlemen. I'll say that. I yes, that's probably made the pod a lot better than I probably would have been with somebody else uh, for sure. Uh, and last but not least, Logan Crossland, how are you? Uh, I I am sad that it is ending, but uh, there's a bit of happiness to it as well because we get to move on to a new adventure. But uh, I am sad to see this one go as I do have a ton of fun. Uh, recording it with you guys every time so. uh that we will have to plug that new adventure in detail at the end of this show excuse me will, not we well i'm not well we're not don't let the cat out of the bag kayfabe Susa. uh Fantastic. but we have to plug it in detail because it will be taking the place of this pod two weeks from the airing of this podcast so we need to make sure we plug it at the end right yeah correct mm-hmm. all right so moving on so we are going to open it up with our Meltzer notes. And we have a lot of Meltzer notes tonight, obviously, because we'll cover war games, then we cover the absolute end. So there's quite a few things going on in Meltzer notes. So we're gonna open it up. Uh, what I'll do is I am going to open up this first big one first, and then I'll go around with everybody for their thoughts because this one's pretty major news. So this is from, uh, this will also cover this pod, covers May 17th, which is Russell War and War Games Day, all the way through July 11th, by the way, because the actual end of the Dangerous Alliance with Larry Zabisco proper doesn't happen until July 11th, believe it or not, with a match that made absolutely no fucking sense. So, of course, it'll make perfect sense for us to end the pod on that match, by the way. (laughs) Uh, So, Meltzer notes, May 18th. An announcement that came as a big shock to everyone, Turner Broadcasting announced Tuesday morning the hiring of Bill Watts as Vice President of Wrestling Operations. Watts' duties will be to take control of all aspects of the wrestling side of the business and will report directly to Bob... uh, Jesus Christ. Do. Do, 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 Bob do. Mm-hmm. Bob do. Bob do. The wrestling executive committee will be. You have me do. The wrestling executive committee, Dusty Rhodes, Jim Barnett, Jim Ross, Tony Schiavone, all will report directly to Watts. Kit Fry's role will become uh, vice president of business affairs for world championship wrestling with his main duties in the field on marketing, syndication, and media sales. And then basically uh, Meltzer goes into Everything about Watts, his history with UWF and selling the Crockett, blah, 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 and him leaving and then him having to face Titan Sports. He just goes into this long-winded diatribe that I'm not going to read out loud because it takes way too long. So I will go around the corner, around the horn, I should say. Souza, what do you think about the hiring of one Bill Watts? I mean, look, uh, we had, what, one segment with Kip Fry, and uh, just from that one segment, he came off came across as being a complete fucking idiot but it turns out they hired a complete fucking idiot to replace him so it's kind of a lateral move i mean obviously you obviously you wouldn't know that at the time but uh, hindsight being 2020 uh, bill watts would not be good for wcw and uh, he would try to do like this uh, this like real like real sports type of thing with wcw and for the most part it 
didn't really work all that well. It worked in some respects, but in others it didn't. Uh, looking at you, Great American Bash 1992. <laughs> but but yeah, I mean, I, I kind of look at it as a lateral move because I mean, Kip Fry was a fucking moron. And I mean, I guess in theory, Bill Watts would be better, but uh, as they would soon find out, uh, he really wouldn't be. So yeah, uh, Bill Watts, great idea. Let's take away the top rope. Yeah, I mean, that's just one of his many right. stupid yeah. decisions. But yeah, yeah. Uh, Schiff, I'll go to you next. What do you think of Bill Watts being hired here? They thought it was a good idea, like Susan said at the start, but they should have seen. Um, I'm pretty sure. Uh, I'm not sure if we're gonna talk about it here, but he releases what is what is called his Ten Commandments, and it just shows like that he's still stuck in 1984, mm-hmm. and just like that book, uh, that's never a good thing. So, <laughs> um. I mean, it's the truth. And we start to see it with who is being pushed and then who gets pushed, shoved down uh, WWE fans' throats, thankfully not on our pod with Eric Watts, uh, who has the personality of a rolled-up piece of paper. Don't be smirch impact pod wrestler Eric Watts. Uh, God, I would have hated it. Director of authority. Yeah, if we Watts. if I had to do two pods with Eric Watts, I would have lost my mind. Could you imagine? Like, what are the odds of that ever happening, by the way? <laughs> anyway, uh, Logan, what did you think of the hiring of Bill Watts? Yeah, I mean, I, I'm sure in the business it seemed like a smart move. But, yeah, some of the stuff that he he institutes is just stupid and just, like, he, he completely cancels out how, the, how wrestling is going with, like, a lot of the top rope stuff. And just he's, he's super old school, and it just – that's not well. Not the way the business was uh, going at that time. So, uh, kind of questionable for that that matter. But I, I don't think they knew he was gonna kind of try to institute that kind of stuff. So, um, yeah. All right. And uh, last but not least, Jake, uh, what do you think about Bill Watts being hired by WCW? Yeah, pretty much the same. It ends up being kind of a disaster. It kind of just shows you where they're at. That they keep cycling in different people, just throwing shit at the wall, trying to see what's gonna work. And uh, Bill Watts doesn't work. Uh, he's got a lot of antiquated ideas that don't really go anywhere. And uh, yeah, he pushes. <laughs> Y'all should do four months of uh, Eric Watts. That can be. <laughs> next well, I, I actually had thought about uh, a pod called uh, uh, "What About WCW?" Wow! <laughs> Jesus <laughs> Christ! That's the what worst thing you ever said. Want me to do what? What? That's, what about WCW? That's the worst thing you've ever said. <laughs> that's pretty creative. That's a creative thought. It's creative, but I hate it. Oh, that's why we're not doing it. That Thank could have God. been an easily follow-up to this pod. That's why we're going to do the other pod. I'll tell you, I'd rather percent. watch AWA 1988 than watch Oh, my goodness. Wow. <laughs> yeah, me too, actually. But that's a whole other story. The funny thing, though, is that like, I feel like the one thing Bill Watts is good at, you don't even really get a lot of that. Like he does, he, I feel like oh. you don't even see the things that he is good at in this right. run even, which is weird. No, you don't. I mean, if you look at like, mid, I mean, obviously he ran Mid-South. Mid-South is awesome. And even some of the early UWFs is really good. Um, but to your point, the only thing that he does that is pretty good is he brings in Gordy and Williams and they don't even last that long. So right. anyway, that's a whole nother, whole nother thing. But yeah, that's not a good run. So anyway, so they talk about Bill Watts being hired and then we go into the war, Wrestle War. So um, there's not a lot to say about Wrestle War other than it's a classic one match card, which pretty much sums it up. Um, whatever interest there is in the War Games, what will make or break the show will be that match. The undercard is such that if it wasn't for War Games, it would be a very bad house show. <laughs> Generally speaking, War Games is the type of match that is excellent live, but sometimes doesn't come across well on television. Um, I don't know why you wrote that, because I think I've loved every War Games I've watched for the most part. Um, it also guarantees time, which is needed for the main event on a show, which is as the last report, 
will only contain seven matches to fill up the near three hours. Uh, by virtue of the rules, war games can go no less than 21 minutes and probably will go around 25. So the remainder of the show, which we'll talk about them, it has uh, Rick and Scott Steiner in a non-title match, which is against uh, uh, the the one guy and Fujinami from Japan. Ayazuka. Okay, thank you. You know, I never like to pronounce your names because that's my gimmick. It's a good move, Sean. I can yeah. tell you from experience of me watching yeah. them. Just, thank you. Just... In a match to determine the number one contenders for the IWGP tag team titles, which is currently held by Bam Bam and Big Bam Vader. God damn it, why can't we got that on Russell War? Um, uh, although Fujinami is a wrestling legend, he's no longer a super worker uh, that he was for most of his career. Then they go into that match, and then they go into all the other matches on the card and how bad they are. Um, it, they said it shouldn't be that difficult to paper the house where it'll look good on television, but it's not a good sign when WCW isn't able to fill up a medium-sized building with paid fans in its most consistent city of the past two years for a pay-per-view show. I mean, again, the undercard, when you put all your main eventers in the big main event, mm-hmm. uh, you're pretty much screwed. Uh, and I'll have you guys comment on that. And then the last note that I have, um, last two notes before we talk about war games, Center stage, and I'm talking about this because this happens at the taping before War Games, but it doesn't even air until after War Games. Center stage drew a packed house of 850. All were free, by the way. Nobody paid to get in. On May 11th for WCW Saturday Night Tapings, they taped three shows. Uh, show, which airs 530, has Ricky Rackman of MTV Ted Banging fame as guest host. Well, then he uh, becomes the WCW DJ during Nitro. Correct. Uh, the TV main event saw Great Muda win two straight falls against Bob uh, against Brad Armstrong. Um, it started slow, but the last few minutes were great. The final show for uh, June 6 has Dangerously as guest host. Um, Missy and Medusa wound up arguing to build up their bikini showdown, uh, which is at the uh, Beach Blast pay-per-view. And Medusa takes off her jacket to real fishnet, one-piece suit, and Missy got mad and started taking off her clothes. But Doug Dillinger held her off. And then it also featured the taping debut of the Lightning Kid, Sean Waltman, in his tryout match that supposedly looked really, really good. Um, and then the last note I had is Mr. Hughes and Richard Morton were both given notice that when their contract guarantee money contracts expire, they won't be renewed, although WCW will book both of them on a nightly basis if they are needed. Uh, Matt, any thoughts on those final notes before I go around and then we get to our first watch? Yeah, I mean, uh, well, they're they're struggling to fill uh, 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 the building for Wrestle War because the build hasn't been good. I mean, I Jake, mean, talk- by the way, as of this recording, we covered the build to War Games in our previous episode. Uh, Dangerous Alliance went zero and six in all their matches leading to War Games. <laughs> right, and yep. they were, and all the matches were absolutely terrible. So, I mean, like, if you were, I mean, obviously they got advanced ticket sales, right? But if you were on the fence about going. Like, I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility to say the way that the Dangerous Alliance looked would keep people from going. And I mean, it's I mean, WCW 92 is a tough sell anyway. Like, it's it's not the biggest company by any stretch, but like it, it's probably not great that you can't sell out a medium sized building. And now you're you're changing uh, you're changing vice presidents and you're bringing in Bill Watts. So it seems like there's a lot of shit going on behind the scenes in WCW, which makes perfect sense, because if you know anything about WCW, there was always shit going on behind the scenes. So it's always a mess, and it always seems like it's a miracle that WCW was able to put any shows together. So, yeah. And uh, also seems like that uh, all the bad wrestlers that we've watched during the course of this podcast are leaving as soon as we end the goddamn <laughs> podcast. It's kind of fitting that we're ending the podcast. By the way, uh, uh, Shift, what did you think of all that stuff? 
I mean, it's fitting um, that WCW can't sell out. I mean, look what they did with... I know you don't... I can't remember if you don't like them, Sean. Sorry. It's a lot of stuff that you don't like. Um, (laughs) Accurate. The the Flair Steamboat match, the second one, they didn't even sell out in Louisiana. That match match bored me. In Nolens. Yeah, okay. Point proven. So another uh, great WCW match is having trouble selling out. And, like, you know, when they turn it around it's not like they're having like banger matches besides the undercard so who knows but yeah it's pretty it's pretty sad but yeah when you have 10 wrestlers tied up in a match what what the hell do you expect the undercard is going to be shit yep jake any thoughts yeah it's just a weird time for wcw as you guys have figured out doing this podcast for these seven months it's just and like wrestling is kind of going into a down period at this time too. So that's rough. Mm-hmm. Um, they don't have flair. Like this is their, you know, that's another interesting thing about this entire timeline you guys have covered is like, it's a stretch with no flair and them trying to figure out what the fuck do they do with no Ric Flair? Cause the company has been built around flair for so long. Mm-hmm. Like them trying to figure out is sting the guy, is Luger, the guy, like just figure out what do they do to draw without Ric Flair. And to me, that's a lot of this. And, yeah, it's it's not shocking just because they're just not in the even if this uh, this whole angle is kind of looked back on with a lot of nostalgia. I don't think they were like doing gangbusters business wise, mm-hmm. and they weren't doing gangbusters matches either. To be perfectly honest <laughs> with you, uh, Logan, uh, what final thoughts before we jump into Wrestle War? Yeah, WCW is a mess. That's all it needs to be said. It's just it's always a mess. Always was a mess. Always will be a mess. And that's just who they are. So. All right, good. So with that, uh, we're going to jump right into uh, May 17th, 1992 and Wrestle War 92. Now, as always with pay-per-views, Jake, normally when I have you on for these clashes or these pay-per-views, we have more than one match that we're primarily covering. Uh, but tonight, it really is just really the one match because all the players are in the one match. Um, that's why you're going to be on for the whole pod and you get to join us for the absolute end. So I appreciate that. So we are at the Jacksonville Memorial Coliseum in Jacksonville, Florida. The attendance is 6,000. Um, I will go over the other matches on this card, and I will run down the whole list. Um, has everybody watched this pay-per-view in full at some point or another? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. All right, so I will let you guys comment and uh, as you will. Um, I will go up first for the WCW United States Tag Team Championship, which should have been put to bed a long time ago. Uh, podcast favorite, the Fabulous Freebirds defeat Greg Valentine and Star K91 MVP, the TaylorMade Man in 1602. Schiff, any thoughts on that match? Uh, no, as when we were, when you asked if we had seen it and, uh, I realized I was on mute. I had never seen anything okay, Logan. but the match. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've done the WCW Chrono watch at some point, so I've definitely seen the pay-per-view. Uh, I will absolutely say that I tried to watch the whole pay-per-view this time and I got through this match and I wanted to blow my brains out. So, um, All right, perfect. I didn't want to watch anything else. <laughs> All right, Susan, I don't know if I should even ask you because you have an undying hate for this time frame in the Freebirds. I mean, that is the fabulous Freebirds experience, watching their matches and then wanting to die afterwards. So, yeah. 16 uh, minutes. 16 minutes. Uh, needless mm. to say, I didn't watch this match this time out. I'm sure Terry Taylor was great. but I bet Terry Taylor the MVP it. of the match. I doubt it. <laughs> Logan, I do appreciate you and I share a love for Terry Taylor in 92. Mm-hmm. We could bond over that. Uh, Jake, any thoughts on this match, if you remember? Uh, very meh. Okay, yeah, very meh. Uh, and I could probably run down the rest of this without even commenting, because the rest of this is extremely meh. 
Johnny B. Bad defeats <laughs> Tracy Smothers in seven minutes. Anybody want to comment or can I move on? Uh, FBI's Tracy Smothers, please. All right. Uh, Scotty Flamingo, a.k.a. Raven, defeats Mr. Hughes with Cactus Jack, which what a freaking pull that is in 522. He beat, he beat Marcus Bagwell. Yeah. <laughs> Who yeah. You read it wrong, Scotty, Scotty Flamingo. No. Oh, I'm sorry. It was Scotty Flamingo versus Bagwell. It was Ron Simmons versus Mr. Hughes with Cactus Jack. My bad. Yeah. See, I we mean, don't edit on this pod. Spot, we call out right? our flaws, you motherfuckers. But go ahead. <laughs> the last episode. We're going out with a bang. All right. Any comments on those, <laughs> any comments on those two pieces of shit matches, obviously? Absolutely not. All right. Uh, the super invader who on our last podcast, we talked about uh, Hercules Hernandez and pantyhose face uh-huh. uh, with Harley race defeated. Good God, Todd champion in five Good minutes. Souza, I should have had you watch Todd champion on our final episode. Why do you hate me so much? Why would you make me do that? <laughs> because, because you hate him so much. I, I mean, that's true, which is why I ask, why would you make me do that? <laughs> All right, it's moving not, on. It's not my, very one, nice. One of my favorites, Big Josh defeated Richard Morton, but it wasn't 40 minutes long. It was seven minutes long. Any comment on that? That's, like that's more. Right. That was that's probably more, okay. That's more Big Josh's speed, I think, seven minutes as opposed to 45. Yeah. And these last two matches weren't bad, by the way. A WCW light heavyweight champion Brian Pillman defeated Z-Man in 1530. That match I remember being pretty damn good. Yeah, I do too. Yeah, yeah. That match is surprisingly good. Yeah, well, and that's, Pillman's awesome. Pillman's right. amazing in this run, too. The, the funny thing about this whole thing is Z-Man has been such a non-factor for a long time, and him getting his title shot didn't make a lot of sense. But Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but from a face standpoint, <laughs> face to face, it was good. And finally, last but not least, in a match that I did watch as part of this, easily four stars because they just stiffed the motherfucking shit out of each other, mm-hmm. and it is for the titles. So it's the tag team titles, Steiner's defense against Fujinami and the other guy in 20 minutes. Yeah. Yeah, it was for the tag titles. It's for the number one contendership. I'm looking at it right now. I'm looking at it too. I pulled it, it says off. Number the tag one contendership for that. Well, where I pulled it from said tag team championship. It's wrong. All right. Well, if it's fucking wrong, who cares? It was still a great match. It could be both. Huh. Could be. Because the, the Steiners were the tag champs. Okay. Well, if the titles weren't on the line, does it make any sense that they wouldn't be, by the way? I mean, they win, so it doesn't matter. Yes. Yeah. I'm just messing with you. But, um, I assume you guys have watched this. I love this match. This match is a freaking yeah. stiff, just it's a great stiff as shit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I remember there being like some legit, like uncomfortable moments in this uh-huh. match. For call. <laughs> like very, the Steiners are very unforgiving in this time frame. They are not nice people. Period. They like you get one shot, shot in them, they're gonna come back and double stiff you on what you do. It's pretty almost like they should have been a part of the Dangerous Alliance. We more. we will get to that as we get into war games. So we're gonna jump into war games. And we're going to talk about the match. So a few notes that I made. Um, I like how they set it up with the intertwining feuds over the last few months. So they did the war horns blaring. Capetta yells, let war games begin. And we get the fireworks stand pyro as the cage lowers. Um, oh, and it's so random and so unsync. Like you get this random pop off and then it goes to the other side. It's like so bad, by the way. Uh, I think it's cool to see the whole alliance together in our group chat. One of the things we talked about is one of the things that hurts the alliance. You very ever rarely see them all together ever. Um, and like even in Crockett in 86, you saw the horsemen in interviews together. It's very rare you ever saw the alliance together. Um, and then Medusa, by the way, I thought looked really, really good in her blue outfit. I didn't even have anything like really cool to say because I thought she looked amazingly hot in it. She looked great. Mm-hmm. Logan, how about you? Did you find Medusa hot there as the biggest hater of Medusa? Uh, she, yeah, she looked very good. I've never doubted her looks. It's more the uh, 
opening of the mouth and speaking that uh, is the problem. Oh, I'm glad you said opening of the mouth and then the speaking <laughs> part after that. Okay. Um, and, I, I <laughs> and her opinions of others. Yeah. And her. Yeah. So. Lately, she's had a lot of. So uh, everything else is what I'm hearing. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I love the alliance strategy. Fun. <laughs> All right. So get into the match. I love the alliance strategy session with Paul before the match started. Larry yelling at a nosy fan I thought was hilarious. Mind your own business. Matt, I need you to say mind your own business. Oh, mind your own business yeah. over there, you Jacksonville jackass. Yes, that was great. And Austin and Wyndham start hot and go at it. Um, they have a pretty good, great back and forth between the two with Austin hitting a diving clothesline over the two rings and Wyndham busting Austin open, throwing him into the cage and then raking his face. And then Jesse accuses Steamboat of spitting on Austin through the cage, which made me laugh. That was pretty funny. Uh, Root is in next and again comes in intense on Barry. And uh, Barry is double teamed and thrown in the cage multiple times. And then he's busted open. Uh, Steamboat then comes in and takes on both heels. He throws Austin in the cage and chops the hell out of Root and DDT's both. DDT's both. Um, and the crowd is just losing its shit. Like this match is just so fast paced so far. Um, and Steamboat literally is just straight fire. Arn is in next, does a DDT to Barry, a spine buster to uh, Steamboat. Uh, there's a double crab by Arn and Rick, and then Barry uh, is trying to do the save. But again, just super great, intense shit. And then Rude does a pile driver to Steamboat. Uh, Rude uh, Rhodes comes in. There's an atomic drop to Austin with Austin's head hitting the top of the cage, which I thought was amazing. That spot was awesome. Uh, Wyndham uh, sticks Arn's head between the mats and bounces him up and down, which was another fantastic spot. <laughs> Larry comes in, and he and Dustin pummel the shit out of each other as Medusa climbs the cage. She drops the phone to Arn, who nails Dustin, and then Sting goes to the top of the cage to confront her, and literally the top of the cage is bending, and looks like both of them are going to eat shit, which I thought added to the intensity a little bit. And then Arn in the cage is hitting everyone with the phone. Sting finally comes in, he milita military presses Root into the top of the cage multiple times, and he backstrops Austin savagely into the cage, eating in, and there's just mass chaos of everybody fighting. Unfortunately, the only one left is Nikita. <laughs> so Nikita comes in, he helps Sting immediately, and then he pushes Sting out of the way. And then, of course, they put that to bed that, yes, Nikita and Sting are friends because we've all really cared about that whole scenario. Um, and then they hit um, a, a double clothesline and two of the heels as the crowd goes, lose, they just lose it. Uh, Bobby, to end this, gets a turnbuckle off, and Larry goes to use the steel to hit Sting while Bobby holds him. Uh, Sting ducks, Larry hits Bobby in the arm, and Sting takes Larry out, wrenches Bobby's arm, and Bobby submits. Um, I tried to cover that the best I could, so I think I bullet-pointed the good spots. But listen, you can say whatever you want about the build. This fucking match ruled. The alliance is all over Larry for the screw-up at the end. This match, easily four and a half stars. Could probably be convinced to go more. It is still, to me, the greatest War Games match ever. And I thought everyone in this match just fucking did phenomenal. So, Logan, I am going to go to you first. Uh, I went a touch higher. I went four and three quarters. I'll get into why as I go through my notes. Um Given the recent rivalry, I thought it was really smart to start with Wyndham and Austin. I thought the first little period with them two was awesome. Quite a few brutal spots, uh, quite a few awesome spots as well. Uh, sending in a heavy hitter like Rude uh, early uh, shows that the DA is pretty uh, pretty desperate to win this one, and they get the advantage early and kind of hold it, uh, really beat up on Wyndham for a little bit. Um, Steamboat was the obvious next choice with his rivalry with Rude. Uh, Steamboat just brings an unreal energy into the match when he comes in. Uh, Arn comes in and evens up the odds, uh, drills Barry with a DDT, and Steamboat with a huge spine buster. I uh, thought that was really awesome. Uh, Rude throws Ricky clear over the ropes from one ring to the other. I thought that was an awesome spot. Uh, Rose comes in and gets a, the double whammy of an atomic drop because he hits Austin's head on the panel of the top of the cage. That was and then so it, great. And then drops him on his uh, on his 
uh, <coughs> private area, I guess. <laughs> um, Larry then comes in to give the DA the advantage back. Um, and uh, Ducey climbs the cage and drops the phone down into the ring. Um, Sting then comes in and does a gorilla press, which every time he pumps, like you said, his the person's back hits the cage. Thought that was really great. Uh, I thought Bobby entered with the least sense of urgency I've ever seen. So kind of calling back <laughs> to our uh, previous episode. Yeah, Bobby was done with this bullshit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. calling back to our previous episode. I think he's kind of over it. Uh, he was the he's like I said in the last episode. He's the serial interferer. He interferes in everybody's matches, but when his matches come around, nobody interferes for him. Um, Heels begin to loosen the turnbuckle, like you said. I hate the corniness of the hug between Nikita and Sting, but the crowd pops for it, so makes uh, I guess it makes sense, and it, it works for the people in the in the crowd, so that that's fine, I guess. Uh, I absolutely love the brutal, brutality and the work done in this match throughout the whole thing. Um, I think it's damn near perfect, uh, but the finish... I, with. I, I just wish it wasn't just like a simple little arm bar or like pushing on the shoulder. I wish it was a little more brutal and maybe maybe goes and does a cross face or something like that. Uh, that's the only thing that keeps it from being a five-star match, but I went four and three quarters just because the finish is a little off for me. Hmm. See, that's interesting. I, see, I didn't hate the finish. I mean, I think, anyway, that's, I never heard anyone I mean, say I get it, it but I, it's yeah. just I would have liked to see something a little bit more, I don't know, just better, I guess. All right. So Matt, I'm going to go to you, and the reason why I went, so so I, I I went back and I re-listened I listened to an episode of Pedestal today, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. one of the comments you made is part of that build for the part of the like ranking the match was the build the historic value in the match itself, and in the build you said who gives a shit about the build based on the talent in the match? Do you recall saying that? Mm-hmm. Okay, so you gave the build three and a half stars, which I assume now at this point would be off the yeah, rails. Yeah, nope. Nope, yeah, that's so, bad. That, so that's aged like milk. Yeah, yeah, so we're gonna focus just on the match. So go ahead with your thoughts. Uh, I I debated the rating on this uh, really for quite a while, but it's for me. I'm st- I'm debating going either four and three quarter like Logan, or I'm still debating going the full five. And it's because of the finish, like Logan. Like for God, me, so you didn't like the finish either, huh? It's not that I didn't. You guys are wrong. Will you let me speak? <laughs> <laughs> Wow, Shif, Shif, playing the part of Sean Kim for this match. Yeah, got really, yes. it's, it's not so much that I hated it. It's just I think there was a better way to go about doing it. Like, you can do the turnbuckle thing. The turnbuckle thing is fine, and actually it's a great visual. That's one of the, my favorite parts of the match is the turnbuckle thing. But uh, given that Sting had bad ribs, and, or and, you know, historically Sting has the bad knee, like it would have made more sense to me if they targeted that. And then like he hits Bobby Eaton's knee or his ribs or something. And Sting makes um, him give up with either like some sort of like camel clutch thing or even the scorpion deathlock, something like that. It's it's something about it being just like a weak arm bar that bugged me more here than it ever really has. Cause I, I just never really thought of it that way. But then watching it here, it's like, man, you got this brutal fucking match. Guys are bleeding buckets. The ring mat is a mess and stained with blood. And then it just kind of ends with a simple arm lock. And I know it's an arm lock after getting hit with the turnbuckle, but I don't know for whatever reason, watching it here, it bugged me more than it ever really has. But with all that being said, I mean, it, it's a fantastic match and, I do agree with the point I made on pedestal where the build really doesn't matter. This match is so stacked with talent and everybody is on like to the point where I thought to myself, like 
where the fuck has all this been <laughs> during the entire build? This br- this brutality, this violence. Like, we didn't really get any of that, save for the Steamboat Rude stuff, right? So it's like, where the hell has this been? Like, if it was a lot more like this, I think we'd all be gushing over it. And the build just never got to that point. And I know it was a different time. They probably couldn't get that violent on TV like they could now. But still, like, they could have showed more violence, but... God damn, this match is great. I've always loved this match. And uh, watching it again here, uh, the pace is insane. It's great action throughout. Like, it's it's completely nonstop, and it's it's just a fantastic match. So I think I, think I am still going to go the five on it because it is, it's one of my favorite matches of all time. So I am going to give it the five. But the finish did bug me, but not enough to where, you know, I, I can dock it. But God damn, it's just a fantastic match. Awesome. All right, uh, Schiff. All right, this match is one star. Shut up. <laughs> All right, no, this this is awesome. Um, I, I love how Polly had like a plan, and um, he was acting like he was a coach right there. Mm-hmm. It was a very nice touch. Um, you know, and Jim Jr. actually compares Polly to Jim Jones. Um, and he's like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, because yeah, Jesse says like he's like Vince Lombardi, and uh, Jim's like, no, he's more like Jim Jones. <laughs> And, he, and even Jesse's like Jesus. <laughs> um, but I, I loved how like they weren't trying wrestling moves at start. I mean, they got into some wrestling moves, but Austin and Barry just are throwing punches at each other. And Austin tried to throw Barry in the cage, and he reversed it. And Austin was bleeding. Like everyone's bleeding in this match. It's it's phenomenal. Um, I don't know if you guys have heard this before, but the heels won the coin toss. Get out. I wish I would have bet on that. Shocker. Um, and Logan did bring up a good point. This, like, this is how much the match means when your ace Rick Rude is the second one in the cage, and the crowd's just nuclear for this. You're, like, you're, who, you're who? Your ace. Yeah. Uh, your top yeah. dog. Yeah. Root. Yeah. Okay. Maybe. Rude is not. A, Rude, is not a, Rude is not an ace. But I'll, okay. I'll I'll explain cool cool <laughs> well, turns to you later. Yeah, I get it. Root is, is not an ace. Root is not an but, ace. But they treat um, him as the ace, though. And I love how the group he is. Yeah, was it going to be Larry? You're the only Larry fan. <laughs> Larry's mom that isn't is, even that is not Larry. True. That is not <laughs> true. Wow. Um, your mom was a fan of Larry. Go ahead. That doesn't even make sense. That doesn't even make sense. <laughs> yep, God doesn't. almighty. No, it doesn't. So it doesn't. anyway, back to the match. Uh, Steamboat <laughs> is in now. And like there, I loved how Steamboat was using the cage, how you guys brought up. But you guys didn't bring up, or I just blanked on this. They showed Arn before he went in. There's a big We Want Flair sign right above Arn's shoulder, um, which really made me laugh. Arn is in. He kills Bear at the DDT. And uh, him and Root actually did a double Boston Crab to Steamboat like to show like, Hey, we're going to try to kill everyone here. Um, I really thought Sting and Medusa were going to go through the cage. I'm glad you brought that up, Sean. Mm-hmm. I was like, holy shit. Like, we're about mm-hmm. to see the end of a career. That would have made it like five and a half stars. <laughs> Especially for Logan. Logan probably would have gone six for Medusa eating the shit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and you for Sting eating shit. Yeah, me for Sting. That's right. And um, now this, I don't remember seeing this, but they use this a lot in this match uh, where the two rings are separated. There was a lot of like putting the person's head in between them and just like doing like the wishbone spot. Yeah, the because, arm spot was amazing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Sting, Sting and Steamboat did it to Root as well. Um, mm-hmm. And it's just blood everywhere. And like you see where they're starting to do is they're starting to loosen the turnbuckle. And Jim Ross is like, what's going on? 
And, you know, we might have hated Nikita, but fans of 92 love Nikita because mm-hmm. when, when they did the thing where, like, is Nikita going to turn, which I thought was weird. And um, I'll, I'll get to it at the end of the match. But um, I love how he, like, takes the, you know, the shot for Sting pretty much. Get down, Mr. President type thing. And um, <laughs> God damn. <laughs> but I love like when they do the double team move to Austin and Arn, and the crowd was just losing their mind with it because they did have a pretty decent blood feud, even though Nikita did ruin that five star match between Steiners versus Sting and Luger. Um, and then Sting actually has the Scorpion on Anderson. Larry uh, Barry breaks, but Bobby broke it up. Sorry. And then Larry screws up, and I love that it was the arm bar that was put on. But um, yeah, I, I just I just loved it, like. It was WCW production that really screwed it up. The spot, it, like they was right there, but if they would have been like, or maybe Jim Ross, like, oh my god, his arm might be broken, if he would have sold it a little bit more instead of like, I don't know. But yeah, I still went five stars. It was it was amazing. And um, what what kind of hurt the build to this uh, is Sting getting hurt and then having to be off TV. They should have had him cut some interviews, which they didn't do. So um, th- that that really hurt the build to this. Uh, and and Jake brought this up. Um, and I'm sorry if I'm stealing your thunder, Jake, are you going to bring it up? But, uh, the lack of episodic storytelling, because they had to fill all the, uh, the shows might be what hurt you guys is with the build to this. Does that make sense? Jake, you can explain it better. You're the one that said it. I think one of the things Jake was saying too, in our group chat was, Hey, this, this stuff, Sometimes when you do these pods, it's obviously back in the day, you're not meant to watch it right. like in a big giant like vacuum like we've been doing. So the pain isn't as bad as you lead into what we're getting into. But that's I think that's really what's come of this podcast is we have watched so much all at once versus the week to week to week stuff, which again, on our last episode, we cover one week and the, the alliance went oh and six like. I don't know. It's just, Jake, I don't want to speak for you, but I think I knew where you were getting with that. Um, hey, real quick, though, one thing I wanted to add before I get to Jake. One of the things we had also brought up was, hey, Matt said, I wish we had had more Steiners in the DA. And we had gone back and forth about how would you get the Steiners into this match? And then it, it reminded me, because she said, well, Sting got injured and that hurt. And I was like, well, does Sting really need to be in this match because... He hasn't really been a part of this feud for a while now. And it's mainly focused on Steamboat and Root at this point. For me, that hurts the match a tad because Sting being here is more of a filler. And it should have been more with the Steiners specifically since the Steiners just won the tag team titles a few weeks ago. Um, So that's kind of my thought with that. And they probably could have figured that out. I think one of the things we said in the group chat was, hey, just make Nikita and Sting face each other for the world title and kind of play that out and then let the Steiners be in the cage match. I would have been okay with that, but... I'm going to turn it over to you, Jake, and with your thoughts and close this match out. Yeah, like just since we're already on it, I, I do think that I think we're going to see the matches we're going to cover post war games that they obviously are not expecting people to be watching every show because you'll see, mm-hmm. as we're going to talk about oh, in a minute. Oh my God. You'll see the exact same like angle play out like three different times. But yes. yeah, but that's not to say, I mean, it's still on them. I still think there's better ways. Like y'all are definitely not wrong. The build for this is not ideal because. You know, like, I think Logan said it on one of the last episodes, like, um, you know, why not have them do a few squashes just to get them over as, like, killers? Just, yes. like, because when they come out here, yeah, like, right. when they come out here, they look legit as hell. They're all juiced up, they're tanned, they're oiled, yep. like, 
they look like badasses. Like even Larry, like even Larry's <laughs> chest is like poking out. Like what the fuck? Yeah, they Roy. They're like what? single. They're like single file with Paul with them. Like they like Sean. You said like people remember this like the Horsemen, but the build and stuff doesn't do that. But I think if you watch this match, you would think like, damn, these guys are like on that level. Like they look, they come off that way. It's weird. It's like the build was like a lot of like the bad parts of WCW. But I feel for this match, they kind of turn back the clock and do like presented in like the best part of like the nwa era like the stuff you do with like crock and roll sean i feel like they kind of turned it back to that kind of presentation which is maybe what they needed to channel more in the build and they didn't instead they just kind of did like wishy-washy tv matches because they wanted to fill all these you know syndicated shows or whatever and it kind of hurt it but at least when they get here it's like i mean it's off the chain because the intensity like the crowds into it like um I like at the beginning too, it's intense, but like both like, like they're kind of defensive and like, I like the blocking the cage too at the beginning. Cause they're kind of teasing you at first. Like, you know, you know, it's coming, but they're both of them are blocking the cage and finally people start going into the cage. Um, like everybody said, I love rude going in early kind of changes things up for maybe what you'd expect in the structure of a match like this, where, you know, the perceived top person is going to go at last. I like how focused Arn is when he comes in, he's like, He's laser focused on what he's doing. Jesse and JR are awesome, even though I think they don't have great chemistry. Again, everybody was just clicking, even on commentary. Like, I love Jesse whenever a steamboat comes. He's like, that's all his girlfriend screaming for him or whatever in the crowd. <laughs> like, always making it seem like he's, like, fucking around with his wife, which is great. Um, you know, I'd never... You read the Meltzer notes, and to me, it's insane that he says that it doesn't... Co- that war games doesn't come off well on tv because like you all the ones i've seen before this and to me this match like visually is one of the coolest matches visually like well, I've ever look, seen. Jake, a lot like, of Meltzer's notes we make fun of because he's an idiot <laughs> this is to be honest yeah, really but like when like when they do the wide shots of the whole ring it's just like chaos with all these guys flying around there's blood everywhere and it's still like they haven't quite up to production value like they will when Bischoff comes in. And, like, it still kind of has that gritty presentation, like, with the camera and stuff. I mean, it just looks fucking fantastic. Like, it's one of the coolest things, like, you'll ever see in wrestling when they hit those wide shots. Dustin's fantastic when he comes in. Like, perfect pairing, too. Like, Dustin coming in, like, super high. And then Arn Stooge in form is amazing. Um, like, uh... The heat's off the chart. Uh, they do kind of establish, too, I like that Larry is sort of the weak link. Even before the ending, he's kind of fucking up in the middle a few times, which is good. Um, they all look like complete shit by the end of this. Like, Dustin is just like, mm-hmm. he looks yep. like a massacre. Wishboning rude. It's just total chaos. Like, I did like, too, that they, if they did plan on a lot of these spots, like, you don't really see a lot of them, like... They don't do any like, and again, not saying this is the worst thing or but like where each team's on one ring and they're staring off or anything like that. It's just complete chaos from the moment it starts, which is, uh, it's awesome. Actually, good camera work by WCW catching Nikita uh, taking the bullet for the president, Linka. That <laughs> like, was a great uh, analogy, by the way, Shift. Very well done. Yeah. Um, I like when they start taking apart the ring. Jess is like, I don't know why he's doing that. He's like, I don't, and Jess like, I don't think he's got a ring maintenance on his mind, Jess. Um, which is good, but I definitely agree with Logan. I had the same note. Like, I think if this match is 20 years down the line, you would be getting a much cooler arm submission. You get like a Fujiwara arm bar or something like, you know, once the MMA stuff starts getting into wrestling, I definitely think you get more than just like a basic, like first two minutes of the match wrestled. But I kind of, 
there's so much else good in this patch. I kind of let it fly. Um, Larry makes sense as the fall guy. That's kind of a, a funny thread throughout the whole pod. You guys have done too. Just Larry being Larry. Of course, it's fucking Larry who cost them at the end. Um, but yeah, it's five for me. This is like one of my all-time favorite matches at any company. Just all the presentation, everything about it, the guys in it. Uh, you know, even if the build is shaky, whatever it was, they were just all locked in on this night and like knew what they had to do. But at the same time, it kind of shows I see you guys' disappointment because it shows what they're all capable of if mm-hmm. put in the right position mm-hmm. with the right presentation and everything. And the build could have channeled a lot of what they do in this match more. And it's not even like they had to be more violent on TV, just had to be more like like establishing them as badasses and like getting this over in the angles and stuff, which I don't think they do. But this is five. Yeah. So Logan, so yeah, great analogy there, Jake. So Logan, what does that take for the whole rating? Uh, 4.85. You went four and a half, correct? I did. And part of that is because the bill, listen, I had to take some of the build into account for me because for me, nostalgia wise, I've held this match in kind of a high uh, pedestal because I remember this time frame with such nostalgia and I ain't gonna, I, I would be lying if I said, the match itself hurt a little bit for me based on the journey we've seen them getting to this. It hurt. I, I can't not mark against that. I have to. Yeah. Because I probably would have gone a full five, too. Mm-hmm. 4.85. It, it's our best match of the whole pod. So, okay. uh, num- number one, it beat uh, the Enforcers match uh, from this clash uh, by 0. .10. So, wow. there, there is that. But, um, I and... I know, I know we've talked about pedestal a couple of times. I think I only went like four and a quarter on it when we watched it for that. I think the live watch aspect of that hurt it because I didn't have the crowd in the commentary. Mm-hmm. Like Jake said, the crowd is just bonkers. And Ross and Jesse don't have the best chemistry of any commentary team, but they knock it out of the park. So that's why I went a little higher on this than that. Than that. So um, I, I, that's, that's a little explanation of maybe why my rating was different from that to this. So there, yeah. That's why I wish that Tony was on the call because Jr. has openly said in the years that they hate each other, that he hated Jesse because (laughs) Mm -hmm. Jesse was making more than Jr. And Tony, you know, from listening to his pod, yes, he's a suck up. He even admits it, but he said he always enjoyed with Jesse and hell. We talked about it. And we talked about on the last episode, Jesse broke Tony so much that he had to mute himself because he was laughing so hard. Mm -hmm. So, like, it just would have been a fun time. I mean, we probably wouldn't have got the the Jim Jones um, analogy, but I think it would have been better. And Jesse and Tony would have enjoyed themselves a whole lot more. Yeah, I don't think JR, like, unlocked, like, the humor part of his commentary until he went to WWF. Right. Yeah, with and actually with Jerry Lawler, by the way, uh, because Mm -hmm. he... He's always yeah. been kind of a straight man and always been kind of a kind of an asshole. So <laughs> I think I mean, he's still an asshole, if you ask me. But um, to your point, Jake, he didn't joke a whole hell of a lot until he got into that time frame in WWF. So anyway, so, yeah, so this match. Goat Roper Shabani. So this match is absolutely amazing. It is good. Um, go out of your way and watch this match. It, listen, build or whatever. Even though we've kind of shit on a lot of the things that we watched on this pod in terms of the journey, the matches we watched, this is still an all-time great match. Go out of your way to watch it. It just and the other thing that's funny about it is you would everyone kind of correlates this with the absolute end of the alliance. And you know, Larry, we've seen now the journey of Larry being a fall guy, but it's not over, guys, because now coming out of this match, uh, we are gonna reach the actual end game. So we're gonna cover the rest of that as we journey to the end of this pod. So first up. 
we have Meltzer notes from June 1st. So a couple notes before we get to our second match. Uh, the only summer pay-per-view, which hasn't been moved, is the Beach Blast on 620. I love how he said the Beach Blast. That mm-hmm. caught me a little bit. The as Bret Hart. Re- yes. As reported earlier, the scheduled August mini paper, and I had no idea about any of these. As reported earlier, the scheduled August mini pay-per-view from Tokyo, consisting of the NWA Championship Tournament, and the early September Campus Crush pay-per-view event, Scheduled for Colorado, where both both canceled by Waltz. Do anybody on this podcast have any remembrance of any of these pay-per-views ever being even a thing? I mean, they were probably just behind the scenes um, that we never heard of. Um, I know they did some, uh, like, mini pay-per-views with... For Tokyo, uh, yeah. They did the Collision in Korea stuff. With, like, the Japan Super Shows, like, um, Mm -hmm. the Collision... The Collision Crush, like it, it's kind of shocking that they were trying to add more pay per views um, because we wouldn't see that until Bischoff took over in uh, in in 94, 93, 94. So it's crazy that they were wanting to do Campus Crush, which you know if they is a pretty decent uh, pay per view name in my opinion, especially if you have it on a college campus somewhere right. in the South, yeah. that would have been mm-hmm. nice. Yeah, Too much of, sounds like a, sounds, yes. it sounds like a competition at a bar somewhere. <laughs> I, think, I think Jake hit the nail on the head. Too much you for Bill Watts. Yeah. That sounds about right. These damn yeah, sounds, kids, you're like not crushing any campuses. Yeah. So uh, the next note, here's a big note. So on our la- uh, we at our first round of notes, we talked about Kit Fry taking on a new position in W. Uh, WCW, guess what, guys? Kit Fry has now quit, uh, which came as <laughs> no surprise to everyone. Reportedly, he had yes. no idea what they were literally pulling the rug from him underneath him when it comes to power and hiring Watts. Uh, while Frey was given a figurehead position to save face, nobody expected the last, according to several reports. Uh, he was transferred within the Turner organization, will work under Jack Petrick in a proposed new division of the Tur- Tur- Turner Empire, which will produce records, films, and Broadway shows. Uh, <laughs> his spot and the new number two man in the company will go to none other, Jim, Jim Ross, which is no shocker considering Jim Ross was Watts' number one guy in uh, Mid-South and UWF. Um, so... He yeah. So any any thoughts on uh, Jim Ross and uh, uh, K. Allen Fry going bye bye, guys? I'll let you guys just speak up. Whoever. I like the idea. Kip Fry is going to be could possibly do some Broadway shows right. for Turner. <laughs> yeah, you like that? Yes. Uh, yeah. Coming soon, uh, Wizard of Oz with Kip Fry. He's not going to be <laughs> shucking corn in a field somewhere. He's going to Broadway. <laughs> um. Kip Allen Fry, you know, Saturday Night Two or Three Falls wasn't the best idea in a more um, and like the television aspect when we get like random, like we get some guy that's in selling insurance and coming up as like the guest host, but he used to play for the Raiders or something. So no, that's coming up. I have a lot to say about that guy. So, <laughs> so like we get that. So that was a miss, but like, you know, the wrestlers, like, you know, we saw young wrestlers getting a push and everything. And, you know, I know that's dusty Rhodes, but he, then he does bring in, like Jake Roberts and everything, because that was being said. So like, you know, and he was he was trying his best, but you know, I think it would be nice to see a little bit longer of a time than what we got with Bill Watts coming up. Yep. All right. So next three notes, a uh, couple of things from the TV tapings. Uh, Steve Austin, since we won't be watching it because it doesn't air until the pod's over. Steve Austin regained the WCW TV title from Barry Wyndham on May twenty third. Um, at the worldwide tapings, uh, the 25 match card. Jesus. Saw Polly dangerously distract the ref after Wyndham hit a DDT and did, and um, slid Wyndham's belt to Austin, who hit Wyndham with it and gained the fall. Um, that match does not air until June 13th. 
Um, on the television, which airs the day of the next pay-per-view, uh, this is a uh, Matt Suza special, Matt. Nikita Koloff gets an invitation to join the Dangerous Alliance from Medusa. This all wound up with, Rikol- with Koloff turning it down, challenges being issued back and forth, and a pull-apart brawl with Koloff versus Rude to set up a new program for the U.S. title. In addition, Brian Pillman had a match with Greg Valentine, with dangerously scouting a match looking for a new member of the Dangerous Alliance, although it was never made clear if it was Valentine or Pillman. God, I hope it was Pillman. Um, I believe Valentine gets DQ for not breaking a figure four, and Ron Simmons, who is being programmed with Valentine at the houses, makes the save. I believe also that Pillman will go into the 620 pay-per-view title match with Scotty Flamingo with a knee injury. Uh, Rick Steamboat and Rude had a super lumberjack match for the title in a dark match. We saw Steamboat get the phone and get DQ'd um, for, to uh, lose the match. And last um, on this one, Bill Watts' first TVs, where he'll be in charge, will be June 1st and June 2nd at center stage. And expect him to make a speech announcing various changes to which, if I believe you, called the Ten Commandments. Uh, that show will air on TBS on June 20th. So don't expect any real changes in direction until July at the Jesus earliest. And we're in fucking May. Um, let's see. <laughs> and let's see if there's anything else. Uh, no, that's it for these notes. So anything on that round of notes, guys? Don't you use your feminine wiles to get me to join Dangerous Alliance, Medusa. So, like, um, does that mean a month after War Games they did this where Nikita's going to yes. get him? Yes. Good Lord. Uh-huh. Yes. Because oh, they still, so they still, I wonder they, if that airs. Because they still, they, it does. It does air. Because they, they still have the Rude Steamboat match they have to get through at the next pay-per-view, too, by the way. Fucking God. Mm. So their what, taping schedule's all freaking wonked, man. What, what is a answer? super what is a super lumberjack match? Uh, it's big Josh. It's big Josh is in it. Yes. Oh god. Well, we know we know how <laughs> now he now he's super Josh. And, and, and it's and it's 70 minutes long, Matt. Oh fuck. <laughs> anyway. Is all right. it really? No, no. Oh, I was going to no, say, no, good no. God. Oh, my God. Look, I, I love the fact that you believe that. Based on like <laughs> I, I didn't, but I, I, I just had to make sure. <laughs> I love that momentarily you thought that could have been a thing, though. That's really funny. I mean, it, Steamboat makes sense, but seeing Rude do a 70-minute match would maybe kill me. I'm not it's sure. a struggle for Rude to do a 70-minute. Uh, str- what about a 30-minute match? Yeah, I was thinking, I was thinking it's seven, but... I'll cover that 30-minute match in a little bit. Cup of haters. Anyway, we're moving to May 23rd, 92. So, so War Games has happened. All these matches we're about to talk about have been taken. So, War Games happened. Why the hell are we still doing the pod? Because, because we're still not done with the Dangerous Alliance. That's why. Jesus. And I, and I like to keep the torture going a little bit longer here, guys. Yeah, this seems so we're very go- unfair. We're going to Worldwide Wrestling, and we're going to Dustin Rhodes versus Larry Zabisco. So this match is joined in program. And by the way, guys, this is part of that Nintendo top whatever tournament bullshit they were doing. If you remember, we talked about that briefly. Um, So we go into it. Larry's in control and he's being loud as hell, beating on Dustin. He does a suplex, a body slam. Uh, Medusa, this is the one I said Medusa looks like she's at a rodeo, Logan. Uh, uh, Larry does a neck breaker. Alexa played genuine. Anyway, (laughs) I thought Larry Larry actually looked pretty good here. Um, he locks in a solid side head like side headlock. Dustin comes back with elbows, um, does a leaping lariat, and then he does like a leapfrog, and it looks like it goes south because Dustin gets dumped in midair by Larry, and it looked kind of botchy. Uh, and then Medusa and Larry start arguing for no apparent reason, like they just start yapping at each other, allowing Dustin a small package for the three. I actually enjoyed this match. Um, I wouldn't have minded seeing the whole match. I thought both men went really, really hard. Um, Probably because of Dustin, because now I'm at the point now where I feel like Dustin Rhodes, it's really hard for him to do any wrong. 
Um, I wasn't a fan of the ending that seemed forced, but um, I actually went two and a quarter on this for what we got. I didn't hate it. Sousa, what'd you think? Yeah, I mean, it was fine. I went a gentleman's two on it. It was joined in progress, so we didn't see the full thing. But yeah, I mean, it, it was perfectly fine. A fun little sprint. Uh, I guarantee you that Larry has, first of all, Larry probably has no idea what a Nintendo is. And second of all, he certainly has <laughs> never held a fucking Nintendo controller. <laughs> Oh, top Let ten me of play what? these cut video games. What the hell's a Nintendo? <laughs> Fucking yeah, there's zero, there's zero. Uh, don't zero go any chance. further. That might lead to racism. <laughs> <laughs> there's zero chance that he has held a Nintendo controller. But yeah, I mean, this was perfectly fine. And like you said, Sean, it was basically because uh, of Dustin. Uh, Dustin is on fire right now, and he he carried the slug that is 1992 Larry Zbysko to a watchable match. So, gentlemen's two. All right, and by the way, I lost count, but based on our last episode, the Alliance is now 0-8 in the last eight matches. Mm-hmm. Logan, go ahead. <laughs> That's correct. <laughs> I I actually went two and a half. I went a little higher than even you, Sean. So. Wow. Um, <laughs> this wasn't a bad match. It was pretty good. I thought uh, I thought Larry even came out pretty guns blazing in this one. Uh, shocked at, at that he's gotten like little to no offense in the last uh, few matches lately that he kind of came out pretty hot in this one. Um, Dustin, I I know this is an obvious thing, but I really noticed it in this one, but Dustin is very, a very, very big motherfucker Mm because when they stand right next to each other, he makes Larry look like an absolute dwarf. Well, is he a big, is he a big motherfucker? Is Larry just as big as a Smurf? Because I think Larry may be smaller (laughs) than I gave him credit for, but Dustin Big as a Smurf. That's a sentence that's never been said before. (laughs) I have blue balls. I thought Larry looked solid in defeat, uh, but as we've uh, as we've seen, you could tell he's the bastard child of the alliance at this point. Uh, also, anytime the match was exciting, it was was when Rhodes was on top. So give Rhodes all the credit here. But yeah, I went two and a half. Really enjoyed this one. All right, Schiff. Yeah, uh, this gentleman's two. Um, I don't know what the hell you guys were watching. I don't know if we were watching the same match. Um, Larry was Larry. Um, Mm-hmm. Dustin is awesome in Larry it. Larry was Larry. I thought Larry was better than Larry usually is in this match, to be honest. Yeah, he was great until he almost killed Dustin on a body drop. Well, I kind of like that, too, because it looked bad. <laughs> it looked horrible. <laughs> that doesn't make any damn sense. <laughs> because um, it looked like he was... Well, because it made Dustin look hurt, and I was okay with that. That's a good point. Probably you legitimately know, hurting. Right. Well, well, yeah. I mean, yeah. it's it's a struggle to lift someone like Dustin Rhodes being as big as a Smurf. Yeah, when you're Papa Smurf when trying to lift yeah. up Gargamel, it's kind of hard, man. Hold up, pull. But before Larry uh, killed Gargamel, uh, he Gargamel <laughs> Dustin hit a reverse neckbreaker to a backslide, reversed a back neckbreaker to a backslide, which I enjoyed with the inside cradle. I went two stars. It it was a fun match. Um, I'm seen enough Larry matches to last a lifetime with this podcast, so. Mm-hmm. Mm. Mm. Oh yeah, I'm Schiff. This match sucked, and I went a quarter star less than you, Sean. Jake, <laughs> <laughs> what'd you think? Wow. <laughs> that was unnecessarily punchy. Oh, wait, there's more Larry. <laughs> Don't worry, we got plenty of Larry on this show tonight. Uh, Jake, what'd you think of this one? Yeah, I went too on it. I think it's a good dynamic because, like, all Larry really has to do in this is like keep cutting off Dustin. He's such a good face, and he keeps fighting out from underneath and. 
he's got a lot of fire, so it works out okay. Um, you could definitely see them sowing the seeds already of where Larry's going because Tony's like putting him over pretty good, like as a face almost, like almost talking him up like he's a face already. So you kind of see where this is going. But uh, yeah, and then, you know, Larry, the miscommunication, just um, the beginning of this uh, very intricate storyline that we're about to play out of Larry. Larry <laughs> oh, fucking boy. up. All right, so... so uh, I, I didn't mean that, Schiff. I love you. I'm sorry. I didn't mean yeah. that. I mean, love I like you too. That. It's fine. By the way, I like the uh, really good last day of school energy from the crew here tonight. <laughs> well, I, I, I also Got us doing that. work on the last day. <laughs> God damn it. What did you rate that, sh- uh, Jake? I didn't hear you. Uh, I gave it a two. Okay. The other thing I like is other people are playing my role tonight, so I don't have to be the biggest <laughs> asshole because other people are doing it for me tonight. So I really appreciate it. like uh, Palpatine. Like, uh, like yes, yes. <laughs> Sean Kidd, right. Let the, evil, let the evil flow through you. <laughs> All right. So we're going to go to Saturday night the same weekend. Okay, so this watch makes me furious. This whole uh-huh. fucking, this whole episode drives me bonkers. So. Uh-huh. I'm going to start with the fucking opening promo about our main event tonight. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It is the same promo we talked about on our last episode, or the same match. Two out of three falls. It is, what, Dustin, Nikita, and Steamboat versus... Who can say? Who is it? <laughs> it's a guess. It, it's uh, Eaton, Eaton, Warren, and Larry. Okay, so we're coming out of War Games. And my whole problem with this is, even though this match is clearly taped ahead of time, you can pre-tape a fucking promo. Mm-hmm. And this promo that opens a Saturday night, and like we talked about in the last episode, every Saturday night they have an opening promo to kind of sell that main event of the night. So literally, here's what we say. Steamboat comes on, and literally all he says is, two out of three falls, don't miss it. And the whole time all he says that, Dustin looks at the camera looks like he has to take a poop. Like, he just looks at the camera. <laughs> That's it. That's all they say. Steamboat, all he says, two out of three falls, don't miss it. And Dustin, this looks bored. Then you go to Paul E, and he asks the faces if they think, think they can stop his two or th- stop his three guys. He goes two out of three falls to do it on WCW Saturday night. That's the promo. Nothing about war games. Nothing about hey, what happened at war games tonight? We get revenge tonight. We blah blah blah. The, the it, it fucking made me mad. You just got beat at this brutal war, and to pimp your Saturday night show with a two out of three falls match coming out of that match with people that were involved in that match. And this is what you're going to fucking give me with a promo? Go fuck yourself. This made me freaking irate. Uh, anyone else? Green roster kid. No, this fucking pisses me off. If this doesn't piss you off, I don't know. I don't understand. So, so will someone else speak I'll, on this, please. I'll go, I'll go one further, Sean. I even think they should have kept both of these teams apart totally and should have just moved on. War games should have been it, period, for mm-hmm. this feud. No, I, I don't disagree. But if you're going to do it, and if it was pre-tape, at least fucking make right. something out of it. No, right. I agree it's with you. It's so weird. It's so weird. But, yeah, I mean, it's like the foreplay do, after, the, after sex. Well, wait till I get right. to the match. Yeah. I'm going to be even more angry when I talk about the fucking match. So. I mean, this is what they, they do. They pre-tape this shit so far in advance. And they're too stupid to understand that, like, hey, maybe we should change the verbiage of this a little bit right. and be like, we already beat you once. We're about yeah, to beat you again. They change commentary but, and post-production all the time. So, right. anyway. like, this match was probably taped in fucking February or something. Yeah, May 11th. May 11th. It was, it was taped May, a week before War Games this match was taped. May 11th. Maybe they didn't know what was going to happen. Fuck off. All right. So anyway, going to so the next segment is a follow up. Next from, segment. 
Next segment, baby. Uh, <laughs> next segment is follow up. It's follow up to Shift's favorite segment of our, our uh, last episode with the it was Rick top five of the whole thing. No, no, it was. Hey, Jake, did you watch that whole Rick Rude and the women accusing Steamboat <laughs> of uh, having an affair thing? Did you watch I that? Did not wa- I did not. I You're better I'm, off. You're better off. Uh, so anyway, <laughs> no, so you need DVD, to watch it. So DVP comes out and. The, and this is where I'm going to bring up the Oakland Raider guy. I don't even know who he is. I just said some bowl cut uh, dude. With Dave bowl- Casper, famous yeah. for the play Ghost to the Post in the yeah. 1970s. I, I just put so. some bowl cut Oakland Raider guy who looks lost as a co-host with Jay <laughs> Some and what? They bring, some, some bowl cut Oakland Raider guy. <laughs> That's what he, he's got a bowl cut. Uh, he bowl looked, cut. I was thrown off. He works 18 hours a day, Sean. Like this right. guy, poor guy. Working but hard like on he, the go. He hates his fucking job. Every time they talk Clearly. to him, he's like, you know, I'm just really glad to not be selling insurance right now. All right, but anyway, <laughs> desky in Minnesota or something. They bring out DDP for the weekly sit down interview. And by the way, DDP looks ridiculous in his Good red God. cowboy wear and boots. And I don't know if you saw this or not. Uh, his boots are covered by pants on one side, and then the pants are tucked into the boots on the other. So I don't know what was going on with that look. So DDP brings that out was the style, the- Sean. Did you tuck your pants no, in your boots? I, no, but you have one hanging out and one tucked in. Is that a style thing? Mm-hmm. No, it yeah. was. I'm always hanging out. It is. I guess I need to watch more 90210 and 92 because apparently I wasn't hip. Only on the 90210 so podcast feed. <laughs> there it was. Uh, so Paul thinks DDP has put together a highlight film of the Dangerous Alliance, and I put man short film if it's a highlight film. <laughs> DDP says no, I didn't, and then we see tape of Paulie paying off all the women from the Rick Rude interview on the last episode as they get into a limo. The blonde who we already uh, brought up is Rick Rude's real right, real wife. <laughs> says, nerec, nerec, nerec. Yeah, right. The blonde who is Rude's real wife says. Uh, Polly's a jerk, and she just costs more money to set up Steamboat, and Paul laughs at her. So DDP starts laughing as Paul obviously knows he's been busted. Steamboat music's hit, and Paul's face acts like the second coming of Christ is coming. Uh, Paul screams for help as Steamboat walks out. The Raider guy looks like he would rather be anywhere else in this. Maybe uh, selling insurance. Yeah, Bobby, Larry, and Arn come out and stand in between them to protect Paul as he calls Ricky a liar and a cheater. Cool part, Ricky leaps over all three and attacks Paul. Then Dustin, Barry, and Nikita come out, and a big brawl ensues, and Paul escapes as Ricky pulls off Paulie's pants. Um, this segment was ridiculous, but uh, unlike the Rick Root segment on the last episode, I enjoyed every bit of this. So, Sousa, I'll go to you. What did you think of this segment? Uh, so, I liked the brawl at the end. I thought the brawl at the end was really well done, but the rest of it can fuck off. Like, I'm just... It's it's so stupid. I, I hate that they did... I, I didn't realize that this was a, a whole uh, steamboat with the women thing. I didn't realize this was such a big focus of this feud leading into war games, and it's, it's fucking stupid. It's just not necessary. And the fact that it's still going post-war games is fucking aggravating, so this can uh, fuck right off. All right, uh, Schiff, since you were a great, great fan of that segment, and this was the follow-up, I'll let you go next. Uh, yeah, we'll say uh, DDP, not the greatest on the interviews at this time. He says the name of his interview segment is Down with DDP. In, <laughs> it's like double, double, it, in my notes, I put in, I'd like to get down with Kimberly. Um, wow. Kimberly's not even here. I, I know, but they were married at the time. Um <laughs> Good God. Good God. But uh, I love how, like, we see that, and Paulie's like, no, 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 no. Like, he's freaking out and everything. And I 
like quasi little FaceTime from DDP, I guess, to show like if they keep doing this inter- interview segment that uh, he'll be like towing the line. And I loved how Ricky jumped on Paul Lee. Like he cleared like all of them and took down Paul Lee. And then Dustin and Akita came out. Um, it set nice heat for, for the match to come up. But like Jake said, like they should have been kept away from each other. It should have been a couple years ago when KO and Sammy had the match. And they're like, they can't fight each other anymore. Well, then they fought each other six months later. But be damned stipulations. All right, Logan, what do you think of this segment? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I thought it was kind of a mess at first, um, but I did like the brawl at the end, kind of like Matt said. I thought the brawl was really awesome. Um, but yeah, it's just basically exposing Paulie to be be the bastard that he is. Um, it was kind of a prelude to uh, the GTV segments that we would see uh, in mm. WWE in the Attitude Era, uh, kind of going behind the scenes and showing people doing things that are maybe a, uh, considered a little scandalous. And they call you the big show. Yeah. <laughs> All right, uh, Jake. That's, That's the one. Yeah, only thing I would add is I, I enjoy DDP like thinking the whole thing is funny as Paul's getting his ass beat. Like I thought it was pretty enjoyable, but yeah, I mean it was. It's just I don't know. It's hard to process any of it because it just feels like a weird alternate universe where war games didn't happen. Like mm-hmm. it's, it's like, a, like, it's like a slow death, man. It's like uh, what are we doing? It's just weird. Like that they're, they're just doing this kind of like semi comedy thing almost. Like after they just had this like <laughs> soaked the ring in blood. I don't know. It's just weird. It's like such a weird whiplash. Makes me. It's, I'm I'm so fucking angry right now. All right. So now we get to the fucking match. Two out of three, and is Eaton Arn. And Zabisco versus Steamboat Rhodes and Nikita. On paper, this looks like it's going to be good. So I'm thinking, as I go into this, at least when I started watching this show, ah, they'll probably pipe in some commentary around War Games and blah, blah, blah. Well, guess what? They don't fucking do anything. I think the only thing they mentioned in War Games is that, oh, something about, oh, it was too much to talk about. He just says it's hard to explain, so they don't even bring it up. It's, it just pissed me off, so I'll get into it. So um, it looks like, uh, first off, we start with a headlock. Because I know coming out of a big match like War Games, you want to start with a headlock. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a botched atomic drop that looks legit like it hurt because Bobby needs Steamboat right in the nuts. Um, Steamboat blocks the slingshot suplex and closes Bobby over the top rope. There's a nice slingshot into the turnbuckle. Steamboat blocks a Larry spin sabat kick. Uh, Larry hops up and down, groaning like an idiot, right. and gets chopped. Um, Arn and Dustin come in, and Dustin punches the shit out of him. Uh, by the way, Dustin Rhodes... Some of the greatest punches you ever see because spit flies in the air and he puts Arn on his ass. Uh, Dustin's punches, like I said, are great. Arn gets ping ponged by all the faces. You know, we have corn in the face, Arn ping ponging on this podcast. Uh, Larry gets yelled at by Eaton and Paul to pay attention, which makes no sense because he hadn't even done anything wrong. They're just randomly yelling at Larry to pay attention, which I didn't get. JR makes the one reference to war games like I brought up, just saying how hard it was to explain. And that's all he says. But um, he does pimp the next pay-per-view beach blast. So not only does he skip over war games, he's already moved on to beach blast without any context whatsoever. They tag in Koloff. He hits a drop kick and a suplex on Bobby. Larry in gets beat up by Nikita, but Larry, Larry hits a nice back suplex. Larry has control on Nikita, but Nikita tags Steamboat. And I did like this spot where Nikita whips Larry into the ropes and then Steamboat off that whip comes off the top rope for three for the first fall. This was the first 12 minutes. Fall number two. Um, Faces work over Arn's arm. There's a dusted figure four to Arn, and everyone comes in the ring, and all the faces get to figure four. Dustin gets multiple elbows off Bobby, and he does that bouncing up and down off the rope spot, which I think is pretty fun. Um, then punches a lally over the top rope. Dustin goes to hit Bobby outside, but Bobby ducks, and Dustin hits the post. They do some arm work. There's a nice top rope elbow from Bobby. Um, 
there's a uh, melee that ensues. Paul uh, ensues. Paul throws the phone in the ring. Dustin grabs it, hits Larry. Uh, the faces are DQ'd at the 20 minute mark. Fall number three. Dustin savagely works over Bobby's arm. Arn gets in with Steamboat and hits a nice DDT, and the heels start working over the face and the nose, which I really liked. Arn just stomping his face down, I thought was really good. And Bobby doing a running elbow to the nose was good. Uh, Larry hits a neck and shoulder breaker. Steamboat hits a twisting RKO neck breaker that clearly was botched and hurts Bobby's shoulder. Um, I did read that Bobby was actually injured off that spot in um, a future Meltzer note, so that did happen. Arn and Nikita get tagged in, and then um, Larry later comes in and throws Dustin outside. Arn holds Nikita. Larry lunges at Nikita. Nikita ducks. Arn is nailed. Nikita runs at them for a sickle, but Larry ducks and Arn, Arn gets sickled. Nikita gets the third uh, three count. Paul is livid. The stare down between Arn and Larry I actually thought was amazing. I loved it. Again, though, another long match, 30 fucking minutes. That's my gripe. That and zero linking to War Games Fallout. Like, the Fallout was great. They could have really built to that. And then Arn Larry kind of is naturally where it should go as ex-teammates, and that stare down was awesome. Um, other than that, I thought it was pretty good. I actually want I actually wanted to see Arn versus Larry after this. I went three and a quarter. And I know that's pretty high, but I actually did not mind the match. I just thought it was too long. I'm gonna go to Jake first on this one, so I'm gonna swap it up a little bit. Yeah, I'm a bit lower. I thought the I don't know. This whole match to me came off like maybe they knew they were about to kill themselves in that cage, so they were like taking it easy, but I felt like the first fall, I felt like nothing happened. Like mm-hmm. It See, was like I, I thought it was okay. I guess maybe I missed something. Mm. In that. I don't know. No, uh, they just all seemed kind of like they were just sleepwalking. They're like they look like they were, like um, like it was a commercial. And they're like, all right, it's a commercial, guys. Take it easy for a couple minutes. I'll tell you more about it <laughs> or something. Like if they would be live, but yeah, just like you know, just a lot of hold. Like they do the figure four thing, whatever. But like, and then the holds just felt like dudes who are just like <laughs> trying to take it easy. I don't know, like. It just, and again, maybe it's so hard to judge us because maybe after watching them beat the hell out of each other, maybe it's like threw up my barometer. But yeah, I mean, the last fall I thought was okay. Like I thought that would be, if that in itself was the match, um, I thought that would be okay. But everything before that just felt very blah. Um, all the other thing I had was Steamboat. His <laughs> was like seizing when he was selling, like he was convulsing. Uh, but yeah, it continues the Larry descent as we're going to continue to cover. But I went two and a quarter, so there's just too much dead time early on for me. Like, I just like if I could skip ten minutes of the match and just completely not want to watch it at all, and it's hard for me to keep focused. That's I don't know. I feel like it's not good. All right, so I'm going to go to Mister Two Out of Three equals Thirty Matt Souza. <laughs> uh, well, I only went two on this. My uh, God, it's uh, not that bad. What did you uh, go on it, Jake? Two and a quarter. Two and a quarter. Well, uh, two at least. It, two out of three so far are wrong. So it in, it in fact is that bad, and I'm going to tell you why. It's uh, not. Because, be, because Jake is right. Uh, the first fall aged me, uh, uh, sucked out my life force. It's just just nothing interesting about it. Like do wow. something, I beg of you. Just so plotting. The pace was brutal. Uh, mm-hmm. At one point, you get Larry in there with Nikita, and I started getting flashbacks. <laughs> uh, like, especially, like Jake kind of alluded to, you ju- I mean, and I mean, it didn't just happen, but you just had war games, which has the most insane pace of any match we've watched for this podcast. And then you come right back out a week later, and you do this with fucking headlocks and all that nonsense. Like, it, it just, it also feels like a meaningless match post war games, because war games 
like I mentioned earlier, should have been the blow-off. So we're still keeping this uh, this going on. I mean, the second fall was okay. I think the camera fucked up the finish. They totally missed the phone spot, but they caught, like, the tail end of it. And the third fall uh, was pretty good. I mean, it, it luckily, it definitely got better because, I mean, if it kept the pace of that first fall, like, I was going to destroy the fuck out of this match. But it, it definitely got somewhere uh, by the third fall. But, man, that first fall was just fucking brutal and again i'm gonna say it every time we talk about a two out of three falls match luckily this is the last time way too fucking long no reason for this match to go 30 minutes so uh two stars mm. more two out of threes coming soon on what about the ecw podcast <laughs> <laughs> with matt souza fuck you with matt souza. <laughs> <laughs> i'm more on your end sean i went three on it you're, um, you're correct, sir. I thought this match was very slow to start, as y'all have all said. Uh, I love Larry, I love Steamboat catching Larry's uh, spinning kick and Larry's sell of it. I thought that was hilarious. Um, Steamboat gets a hot tag in at one point and really just works over every member of the Alliance, really takes it to all of them. I thought the end of the first fall had a, had a kind of a hot ending. Uh, Steamboat gets a sneak tag and kind of hits the crossbody to get the pin. That was a cool-ass um, – like, he threw him into the ropes and that mm-hmm. into the – I thought that was a very cool ending. I yeah, like but it. it took a half hour to get there. That's fine. I thought it was all right. <laughs> Um, you can kind of see the cracks really definitely starting to form uh, throughout this one that even more than it already has before this. Lots of arguing. Polly uh, tr- constantly trying to calm all the guys down. I uh, love the spot with uh, Dustin delivering punches and Eaton bouncing back and forth between the ropes. Uh, I-, I thought that was a really funny spot. Um, I thought it was creative to get the, uh, the DA a fall without them having to get a pin or a submission. Uh, I thought that was smart to see them kind of get a DQ uh, in there. Uh, they they do the shocked Arn spot on the top rope again, where somebody just kind of pops up and Arn gets eyes get real big. I thought that was a great once again. Uh, Ricky's selling of the nose is absolutely obnoxious. Uh, I thought it was a, a little over the top. Um, the Dangerous Alliance really wearing down and working over Steamboat in the final fall was really good teamwork. And then Larry, of course, uh, cost them all. Uh, accidentally nailing Arn, which only adds to the, the dissension, and he, uh, they all kind of get into it after the match. So, uh, yeah, I went three stars. I do agree that the first fall may have, could have been, could have been improved, but I did still love the whole match. All right, shift close this match out. Yeah, I went three stars as well. Um, I actually enjoyed the first fall. How it was kind of slow. It was like they were trying to like figure each other, fill each other out type deal. Um, I liked how Bobby reversed the Boston Crab, but Ricky was able to get the arm bar. Um, but then, like, we had, uh, I called him Hulk Koloff right here with his no-selling. And uh, I loved the out-of-nowhere, like, uh, cross-body block like that Logan talked about. Uh, the second fall, I was shocked that they did the did, um, the uh, DQ right there because the, the DA couldn't even get a damn um, went couldn't even get a damn uh, uh, pin. They had to get DQ'd right there. So we get that. We get a tie 1-1. I love Ricky selling the face. I was actually okay with it because that's like a red warning label, like where to attack him. So, um, and then like we get Larry screwing up yet again. This is the, you know, two matches and two times Larry screwed up. But yeah, three stars. And I love that it's Arn staring down Larry about to take out his enforcer tag team partner, it appears. Yeah, that gave me a little bit of hope. Oh, so we are now uh, owning 0-9 for the last two podcasts for the Dangerous Alliance. 0-9. All right, so our next match, we are moving to June 6th 
Worldwide Wrestling, and it is Ricky Steamboat and Nikita Koloff, Matt Souza's favorite tag team, versus Aaron Anderson and Stunning Steve Austin. So uh, Jesse uh, starts commentary by saying he doesn't trust Nikita, but does praise him uh, for stepping in up to Vader while Sting was injured. Paul is outside on the phone. Jesse says he hasn't been the same since his friend John Gotti got sent to jail, which is a nice timely references. Uh, faces clear the ring in the opening minutes. Steamboat wraps Austin's uh, leg around the post. Faces work the leg. There's dueling figure four. Steamboat gets Paulie's phone. Larry from behind for the DQ grabs the phone. And we get almost a repeat here where Arn holds Steamboat. Larry goes to clock him. Steamboat moves. Arn, Arn gets hit with the phone. Larry and Paul argue again. Arn shoves Larry and then Austin gets between them. And this is also weird because this aired a week after the match that we discuss next, which, again, this timeline is so jacked up. So the next match we talk about um, happens on Saturday night, but this actually happened in syndicate. It's just weird how their taping schedule goes. So the actual turn and Larry being kicked out of the alliance airs before this actually did. So Cooking I'm going to go to yeah. <laughs> yeah, so that's that's why it's so confusing, but I put this ahead of it because in timeline it should have aired first, but it did not. Uh, I went, I think, this. Th- by the way, this match was pretty much the definition of meh, and I, I think I went three and a quarter stars on this, Matt, and you can three and a little quarter? time. Three and a quarter? Oh, yeah. Three quarters, three quarters. Um, Matt, oh, spend wow. as little time as you want on this match because it's bad. <laughs> yeah, oh. it, Wow, I I didn't go nearly that low or that I high, did. depending I on which depending on which rating Sean wants to go with. This match sucked. I mean, it did, but I still went like a star and a half on it. I uh, mean, it was no fuck no. Uh-uh. Well, you went three qu- you went uh, three and three quarters. No, I went three to quarters. Three quarters on this garbage. Three it was and terrible. a quarter. Uh, they did. The this match was that This ahead. match, this match this can match was suck like my ass long, and it was terrible. <laughs> this match can suck my ass five stars. Uh, <laughs> so I went a star and a half on it. I mean, it, the match wasn't much, honestly. It was kind of a squash. The angle I thought was decent enough, and I think the infighting is interesting. I do think it's interesting that Larry is kind of the catalyst for this whole thing ending. But then thinking about it again, it's like, who else would it be? You- you know, you're not going to do rude. I mean, you, I guess you could do Austin, but that wouldn't make a lot of sense. It's, you know, I mean, Bobby. But it, it's just weird to me that it's fucking Larry is the guy that's the catalyst for the whole thing crumbling. But, uh, yes, I went to a star and a half, which uh, using the Sean Kid system, I think, is four and a quarter. So, wow. Shift. Uh I went two stars on this. Um, I liked how at the start, Tony asked Jesse if he would announce for free, and Jesse just says no. Um uh, they try to double team Nikita and they fail. And I love uh, Steamboat throws Arn out of the ring, no DQ. And they were stalling uh, right now. And then uh, Nikita tags. Oh, I got Nikita tags to Koloff, so that's wrong. Um, <laughs> tags himself. <laughs> I tag myself. I tag myself. I'm, I'm so good. good. I tag myself. I give myself hot tag. Um, but we have. <laughs> We had uh, Ricky working over Austin's leg. Austin able to get the tag to Arn. Arn starts to work over Ricky's face, which I enjoyed um, because it's just nice and continuous. Uh, Jesse said he respected Steamboat until he found out about his private life. I'm sure a lot of people respected you, Jesse, until they heard your batshit conspiracy theories. (laughs) So um, nice spot where Steamboat and Nikita both get figure fours on Arn and Austin respectively. Paulie rakes Steamboat's eyes. Arn selling the leg. 
uh, from the figure four. Nikita gets in and slams his knee into Arn's nuts. Just like, damn. Uh, it was a nice blind tag to uh, to Austin, but Ricky was still beating ass. Ricky gets a sleeper then on Arn after a tag, and then we get a thrown in. And uh, Paul and Larry screws up again by hitting um, hits hits Arn with a phone, and Paulie everyone's pissed. Uh, and Arn's pushing Larry, and Steve is playing peacemaker, which doesn't make sense for the next match. We're about to start two stars. Oh, that's John Cena that plays peacemaker. Right. Mm. Da, 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 da. <laughs> Jake. Yeah, I would like star and a half. Uh, nothing great here. I mean, I think Arn and uh, Austin selling was. Um, that's pretty good. The Jesse and Tony banter is really fun. Uh, Jesse's just like Sean. He says, uh, I just don't care for Ricky Steamboat. <laughs> just <laughs> flat out. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, it was, this was the match I was thinking. I was like, okay, so they're obviously not thinking you're watching all these shows. So like, let's make sure we put pretty much the same finish with Larry um, in here in case somebody missed it on the other show to make sure as long as you tune into something, you'll know what the fuck's going on that that Larry keeps fucking because you would think at some point Paul's like their coach. He's like, all right, Larry, you're just not going out there. Like, just stay away, Larry. Like, don't go anywhere near the ring because you're a liability. But you know, star and half. All right, Logan. Yeah, I went star and half as well. Uh, Matt, you said it was pretty much a squash. No, it it was a squash. Uh, mm-hmm. This was a complete squash, complete domination uh, by Nikita and Steamboat. Um, yeah, like y'all said, another accidental shot to Arn by Larry, uh, and Paulie after the match nearly hits him with the phone, but like, uh, Schiff said, Austin comes in and kind of plays, uh, kind of makes peace of the situation. And it seems like they're still getting along with definite, definite huge cracks or the, the, the dangerous alliance at this point. So yeah, starting the half. craters, bro, the craters. Uh, <laughs> All right. Sorry, I'm sorry. What? I don't, I have no idea what we're doing or what he said. What was he talking about? He said there were cracks. All righty then. All right. So we're oh, going go to go to the member night. of the Dangerous Alliance, Vince Russo. So we're going to go to the Saturday night, and this is it. This is the official breakup. And this will be a match that's set up between Larry Zabisco versus Steve Austin. So um, this is off the build of Larry uh, screwing up in War Games, screwing up the last couple matches, his confrontations with Arn. What you would think, what you would think, though, in this situation, based on the two confrontations we've seen, this should be Larry versus R, not Larry versus Steve, which I felt was very, very weird. So, uh, this match was made with no context and no actual build. It's just basically Larry fucking up. So Jr. said the Dangerous Alliance wants to handle problems internally, so that's why this match is happening. And so they're in the ring. Paul has the mic. Tells Larry the DA have sat um, for hours in the boardroom to come up with a solution, especially after war games. They have been friends for 13 glorious years. They are, however, there is dissension and everyone knows it, but instead of firing Larry, they want to give him the chance to walk away. Uh, the dangerous Alliance like to clean their own trash. And lately Larry has been the trash. Larry turns his back and Paul Lee loses it on him. Tells Larry to obey his orders. Like a common woman obeys her husband says, Larry will prove himself facing Austin. It's nothing personal. It's just strictly business. He keeps poking Larry in the chest. Larry says he will approve himself, but it's not business. It's personal. And he slaps the fuck out of Paul. Um, Austin attacks and the match starts. And he knocks Larry outside, beats the shit out of him. The crowd is going nuts for Larry. And he comes back on Austin into the rails, into the turnbuckle. Um, Austin hits an awfully 
awful botched clothesline off the ropes. Then there's Anita Gut, another botchy um, rope throw that turns in Larry. Uh, and then he turns Larry into a full Nelson. Then Larry gets a sleeper. Austin runs towards the ropes, and they both fall out of the ring. Larry reverses a pile driver and back uh, backdrops Austin on the floor. Back in the ring, Larry uh, does the tree of woe on Austin in the corner with repeated stomps and a neck breaker and a back breaker. Um, Austin gets an eye rake, a clothesline, and a suplex. Paul keeps yelling, you're fired, as Austin uh, uses the ropes on a chin lock, and there's a lot of rest holds happening between the two after a hot start. Uh, Larry gets an ab stretch on Austin, and then Paul on the apron. Larry goes after him like an idiot, um, then throws him in the ring. Austin from behind, but Larry has uh, hits a nice pile driver and a cover, but the ref... Uh, is busy with Paul, and then Eaton comes out, and what is Eaton called, Logan? The serial interferer. The serial interferer comes out, <laughs> does he drop to Larry? And he hits the shift special for one last time. Yes, and mm-hmm. he, he hits Austin, gets the three. So the match was very solid. I thought the mic work was great. Uh, I thought the match had some slow spots, but overall was good. I thought it set up to seem up a good way forward, similar a little bit to Ole Anderson turn a little bit. I think they were going forward. You know, Ole was probably the most hated person in the entire Horseman. I think it's fair to say Larry is the most hated person in the Alliance just because you don't want to like him. Ole was the same. Um, but here's the thing, guys. After this match, for the next month, nothing happens with this, which we will discuss in a moment. Jesus in addition, Christ. this wasn't even the top spotlight of the show because the spotlight of the show is Armstrong versus Muda, <laughs> two out of three. Muda <laughs> <laughs> Armstrong, two out of three, was the main focus of this episode. And again, the other thing I'll bring up is why was it Austin? If you know Austin is headed for regaining his title versus Wyndham and based on the two face-to-face, this should have been Arn. And if Arn's possibly mm-hmm. going after Sting, give him this match and have him win the match. Just like a bunch of missed opportunity in this, but the match itself was good. I went two and three quarters, but that includes the mic work and the match. But goddamn, did they bungle a bunch of fucking shit in this. Um, Jake, I'll go to you first. Yeah, the, the beginning was good, like with Paul dressing him down and then Larry slapping the piss out of him and then Larry comes in hot. Um, if Bill Watts is watching for the transition, he is not going to like that backdrop on that blue pad. It's <laughs> like a mattress, guys. <laughs> Got to get rid of those fucking pads. That's what's right. killing us. That's why nobody's buying tickets, blue pads. Um, but yeah, I had the same note. Like, I thought they were really hot to start, but <laughs> I don't know if it's just Larry, like, is so used to being like a shitbag heel. He's supposed to be making this hot comeback. He's like, all right, hot comeback, wrestle. Like, no, Larry, we need, like, you got to do, like, other stuff. You can't, like, you're the face now. You can't do, like, a headlock. You're supposed to be firing up here, buddy. But, yeah, so I, I, th- I was hoping the finish would be a little hotter. It's just kind of like a pretty standard interference by Bobby. But, yeah, and I had the same note, Sean. Like, it's so weird that this the big implosion of this, like, you know, it's been the dominant angle for seven months, as the podcast is called, is like, well, this is secondary to Brian Armstrong, great Muda, <laughs> which I think you said earlier was like, uh, didn't Muda win in like two straight balls? In, like, eight, in 18 minutes, yes. Right. But yep. uh, two and a half, just because it could have been much better if they, you know, it would have been a little bit hotter in the finish, but the start kind of made up for it, I guess. So two and a half for me. All right. What's your rating, Sean? Uh, I actually went two and three quarters. All right, Logan? 
Yeah, I, I went two and a half with uh, Jake. I actually really enjoyed this one. Uh, Larry uh, fucking smacks the shit out of Paulie at the beginning. I think you mentioned that, Sean. Um, we get a Larry chant, so we know, Sean, that you were also in the crowd at this taping. Uh, <laughs> you, you led that charge, so we know that. Um, at, at one point, I said, why is this still going, mostly for Larry purposes? Um, but I thought Austin did really good in this one. Um, disgusting pile driver at one point. And like I said earlier, when you were talking about it, nothing like the shift special to put the uh, Dangerous Alliance uh, to bed for good. So uh, serial interferer Bobby Eaton, one last time, uh, <laughs> hits shift's favorite move. So, uh, yeah, two and a half. All right, Shift. Yeah, I really enjoyed this match. Uh, like you guys said, I loved how Larry started off hot. Um, also, what Paulie says is like he needs to that Larry needs to obey orders like a common wife obeys her husband. Just oh, I'm just rough. Um, I will say Larry does fuck up a hip toss. Like I even have that in my notes. Larry fucked up a hip toss, so it's not like I'm just like adding it to do it. But um. Larry Lim reverses an Irish whip and gets a sleeper. Both fall outside of the ring on that, which was kind of weird. Um, back in the ring, Larry got a tree of woe, which his other Smurf, um, Kevin Sullivan, likes to use. Uh, Larry, Larry had a neck breaker and then a back breaker. I'm surprised how much offense Larry has gotten because for 21 episodes, I've seen him barely get any offense, and now him actually busting out all these moves, I was kind of shocked. Seems like a lot of things happened in the last two episodes that should have happened a long time ago. Yeah, weird. <laughs> yeah. Um, Larry actually had the modified chicken wing on, which I thought was impressive. Then he got an abdominal switch, uh, stretch, switch, whatever the hell. Larry hits a pile driver, and then Bobby hits my favorite move, um, and Austin wins two and three quarters, but it still begs the question, why didn't we get Larry versus Arn? That's what, what they were What a, what a fucking to. missed opportunity, man. That's what they, they were yeah, yeah, that was so, dumb. It was dumb. Such a missed opportunity. And forces explode, man. Yeah. Shift, what'd you think? Or not Shift, uh, Souza. Yeah, I'm with you guys. I went two and a half on the match. Uh, Larry slapping the shit out of Paul at the beginning was great. Uh, I, I thought Austin had some great punches during the match. Uh, the crowd was really on fire for most of this. I mean, it, it was fun stuff, but like, you, you know, I, I think Larry, like you said, Jake, I think he wasn't quite sure how to work as a face because he's never really been one to this point. Like he's, he's much better as a heel. And I, I feel like he did get a lot of offense in on Austin too, which is par for the course for a fucking Austin match. But I don't know, maybe have Austin beat his ass a little bit more. And I mean, and also considering Larry is, you know, the ripe old age of 78 at this point, like that would certainly help Austin uh, look good. But yeah, the the crumbling of the Dangerous Alliance has been fucking stupid. Like it is like, you know, seven months of danger. It's the name of the podcast. Like the, the whole fucking company has been built around this feud for the past seven months. And we're ending it with a, a, a bitching session between Larry Zabisco and everybody else. It's just... It's very weird. Like, I, I almost wonder if it would have been better off if they did something like Paulie just says, look, you guys suck. We're breaking up. I've had it with you. I'm going to make a new Dangerous Alliance. Something like that. If Larry was the one who broke everything up instead of Larry Zabisco being the guy. Just some anything other than this really would have been better because this, like, I, I don't know. It, it doesn't work for me. I really think what they were trying to do, and I, I swear to God, this is what it reminded me of, is they were trying to pull the Oli turn of 87 with Larry. Mm -hmm. And when they got to this point, they're like, ah, yeah, that ain't going to work. Fuck it. Because here's the thing, and I'll talk about it in a minute. As I said in the, in the comments, as in the notes, nothing happens for a month. Like, right. there's nothing. Like, I think Larry comes out for one interview, 
but there's no interaction with the Alliance. There's nothing. And then the thing I'm going to talk about in a month, <laughs> it closes it out, but it doesn't even close it out with the fucking Dangerous Alliance. So, so we'll get to that in a minute. So coming out of this match, that is officially the breakup of the Dangerous Alliance. But there is a bonus match that I will share with you because it really brings it to an end. But first off, we have Meltzer Notes from June 1st and 8th coming out of this match. So the Larry Zabisco term was completed. They had a match set up with Austin versus Zabisco. Bobby Eaton hits a knee drop on Zabisco and Austin pins him. This is to build first to Eaton versus Zabisco bouts at the house shows. So a couple of those did happen on the house shows, by the way. Um, next up, even though the Zabisco Dangerous Alliance breakup aired on Saturday night, the actual breakup on the mic was really good, but the match itself didn't sustain the interest it should have, considering how much time had gone into the breakup. And it made and it and it seemed insignificant when it's never talked about again for the rest of the show or for the next fucking month. <laughs> they will still air segments teasing the breakup on syndication this coming weekend. So, like I said, it, it already aired that they had broken up, but like that match I talked about earlier, they were still teasing the breakup after the breakup had actually Jesus. already aired. Like, I, I, I got to interrupt you for a second, Sean. Did they have anybody who was able to keep track of this fucking bullshit? Because no. I no. am so goddamn confused Ow. right now. It's no. unbelievable. No. The tape I think Tony, hasn't Tony said like on the Conrad pods before that they should have hired somebody in WCW for this? He's like, yes. we should have had like a continuity guy like they right. have in Hollywood. Like they have on fucking movie sets. It's so with like the negative title reigns, like the tag title reigns that they have that like last negative days because they want it right like a month before it or you know, whatever. You know, just yep. stupid. All right. So so that is the official breakup, but we have a bonus match here to share because this for me Jesus. really puts an end to the dangerous alliance. We're going to Oh, it's an end, all right. We are going to July eleventh. So the the Austin match was on what? It was on June sixth. So we are fast forwarding to June 11th and it July. is Larry. Sorry, July 11th. Uh, and guys, it's Larry Zabisco in a match, but you would think it would be Arn Anderson. Maybe. And by the way, this is also on a Sunday night main event. So just a random Sunday main event, maybe Larry versus Bobby minimal, maybe Arn, maybe Austin, not going to be rude. No guys. We have Larry Zabisco versus Cactus Jack. The higher and gun, baby. This is going to, mm -hmm. and so Larry Zabisco versus Cactus Jack is the last match we're going to talk about on this pod. And for me, cements the true end of the original Dangerous Alliance. So, as I said, nothing has happened with Larry since that Austin match we talked about. Uh, but out of the blue, here we are. And again, on a random Sunday night made event. So, Polly is out with Cactus. No one from the Dangerous Alliance is here. Larry comes out to new music that sounds like Beethoven, and he still looks like a miserable prick. Uh, Tony says Cactus is his mercenary to get rid of Larry. So Larry dives out of the ring to chase Paul as crowd chants his name. And by the way, I use the word dive loosely, just for the record. Uh, <laughs> Paul runs to the back, allowing Cactus to attack. Paul cuts back. Larry gets a slam on Cactus. Turnbuckle shot. Cactus running knee with Larry's throat drinked over a second rope. There's punches. Crowd chanting Larry loudly. Larry comes back with punches of his own. He rams Cactus' head um, down on the mat. There's a neck breaker. Throws Cactus outside. Back in the ring, Paul gets up on the apron. Cactus rams Larry's head into Paul as Paul falls off the apron, which I thought was a pretty good sell spot by Paul. Cactus with the double arm DDT for a quick three. Uh, this went seven minutes. Cactus lifts Paul up and carries him to the back. And guys, that is the official end to the actual 92 original Dangerous Alliance we all knew, loved, or at least did until the last year of this fucking pod. Uh, no major blow off. No major feuds for Larry. Just like I said, a random seven-minute write-off on a Sunday night episode of Main Event. And talk about your fart in church. I went one and a half stars to end this. 
And before you comment, my final Meltzer note of the entire podcast on July 13th. Zabisco looks like he'll be phased away from full-time wrestling to concentrate on commentary. Well, that match certainly made that happen. And I will talk about the rest of the wrap-up on the DA Alliance and what happens from here after I let you guys comment on this final match. And Schiff, I'm going to let you go first. All right. I love how Paulie called Cactus as mercenary. <laughs> um, and when the match starts, Larry ducks under Cactus and starts chasing after Paulie, which I really enjoyed. And then after that, it's all Cactus for the longest time. I was like, I don't think Larry's gotten on any offense. Literally, after I've typed that note, Larry starts hammering Cactus. Like, <laughs> And, like, Larry still cheats is what I like. Is like when some people turn babyface, they stop, like, cheating. No, he's still cheating. He was uh, choking Cactus with the ropes. And then he's just straight up choking Cactus. Then he hits a back kick, which him trying to bust out this little karate moves was like when um, superstar Billy Graham thought he was a martial artist. Um, <laughs> and then, like, I love how Larry threw Cass outside and followed. But then we get back in the ring. Uh, Cactus throws Larry into Polly, then hits the DDT, and it's over. It's like, he's like, I'm your mercenary, but I'm going to get you in trouble, too. Um, yeah, I want to star in three-quarter. Logan, go ahead. Um, I, I only went one on it. It was pretty boring. Um, everything about this match just seemed strange. Larry getting cheered over Cactus Jack is just a weird thing. Larry being a face in general is a weird thing. Um, I thought this was uh, like a ter- typical Larry Borefest. Uh, he kind of broke out of that with that last match, but um, he's usually pretty boring when he's by himself. Um, I am sad for him that he got neither of these wins after the breakup, so uh, I feel a little bad for Larry Z. But um, yeah, just uh, hey, don't just, worry. In the end, he cut. Well, we'll talk about that in a minute. So yeah, okay, yeah. Well, that, that all was right. all I had to say. All right, Souza. <laughs> Uh, Larry's music is uh, very gladiator-like. Yeah, like uh, Beethoven so, so, is very, like, nothing right. says face like that fucking music he came out to. Let's right. Just, uh, man of culture. Right. Beethoven-ish. So, sort of like a gladiator being led to the lions in the uh, in the Coliseum, because that's kind of yes. what happened to Larry here. Uh, this match is a whole lot of nothing. I went a star and a half on it. It was, it was very whatever, and uh, the Dangerous Alliance ending is like a wet fart in a dry church. That's exactly what I said. I said to talk about a fart in church. So Susan and I had the exact same fucking note. Uh-huh. Uh, Jake, how about you? Yeah, just Larry gets his ass beat, tries to fire up, and Paul costs him the match. Two stars, gentlemen's two for me. I don't yeah. know, not not the most eventful. Yeah, it's a out with a whimper. Yeah. So guys, that is officially the end of our watch in the Dangerous Alliance because I feel like. You don't get much worse than Larry Job and the Cactus Jack until on a main event on a Sunday that nobody probably even saw. So just to wrap up a few loose ends before we give our overall perspective on the pod and the watch. So a couple things as far as the Dangerous Alliance proper in the future. Uh, Rick Reed and Medusa carry on a program with Ricky Steamboat. They have their iron match at Beach Blast 92, um, but they also felt somewhat separate from the group in that. So um, they really felt really segregated aggregated and they don't really come together as a group often ever beyond this point. Uh, the other thing I will say is I did watch that beach blast match because everyone was telling me how great it was. I went to gentleman three on it. I thought it was boring as shit in a typical Rick Reed match. I'm just being perfectly honest. Logan, did you ever watch it? I, I never got around to it. All right. Been busy. <laughs> and I, I know Jake and Matt liked it. Uh, Shift, did you like that match? If I don't have to watch it for a podcast, I'm not going to watch it. All right. Very good. So, oh, yeah. uh, so uh, as uh, 
host privilege, I'm going to tell you that match sucks. Don't go out of your way. Well, to watch I believe that what Jake said that he really enjoyed it, so I'm going with him. All right, Ooh, fine. Roasted. But I did watch it. It's, by your it's own not, son. It's not. It's not. It's not that good. Uh, so also on the same show. Bobby Eaton, Arn Anderson, and Steve Austin continued their allegiance. However, they lost a six-man tag at that show. Uh, the Alliance were very splintered um, as early as 92, and all during their, like, they had all those championships, excluding the world title. A short period after that, the Dangerous Alliance was to be no more. And by the way, Austin would be tag champ and U.S. champ before leaving the company, and then the rest is history. Arn and Bobby went through a tough period where they were managed by Michael P.S. Hayes, and they went there certain but separate ways, if you guys remember that time frame. Uh, Rude would continue as a main eventer until getting injured in Japan and in his wrestling career in 94 and continued to have butt matches the whole time. Um, and then Larry, here's the win. Larry did commentary, went on to win the TV title later, and then was a huge presence in W area era and was way over with a spotlight feud with Scott Hall where he really did flourish as a face. So I don't think it's a really sad ending for Larry. I think he comes out of it smelling pretty good. So for me, uh, I feel like Austin goes on to bigger things. Larry, even though this ended like a fart in church, I feel like he got a good comeuppance in that whole NWA, NWO thing. Arn and Bobby went through some tough spots here. I don't think Arn or Bobby ever regained their greatness coming out of this. So, And then Medusa was Medusa. I think her last big run, um, she went on to be a Lundra Blaze in the WWE um, in 93. Um, and then we also, she came back as part of the Macho Man, Macho Madness group. Um, I think that was kind of, and then she also was a cruiserweight champion beating Evan Courageous at one point. I don't want to talk about that time. <laughs> yeah, I hate that yeah. So, but... so literally the Dangerous <laughs> Alliance really, truly does end here. The alliance that we've talked about is no more after what we've talked about on this show. So with that, we are done guys. So I kind of want to go around the horn, um, and just kind of get overall thoughts and then Logan, um, I also know that you were going to do kind of a compilation of things uh, to kind of wrap us up on awards and things like that. So do you want to do that before we talk about overall thoughts? Yeah, I just put down um, the most dangerouses and all of the least dangerouses and kind of put uh, put together like a little standings of each one. So um, we kind of discussed it in the last episode, but Polly Dangerously ends the ends the pod with the most most dangerouses at six. Followed by Austin and Arn with five, Eaton with three, Rude with two, and Larry with one. Um, Goddamn Larry. <laughs> Medusa <laughs> never got a most dangerous. She's the only person to not never get one. Mostly probably because of me, but um, also, yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, least dangerous, uh, Austin uh, takes the cake with eight. Uh, Rick Rude has six. Larry has four. Eaton has three and Medusa has one. So uh Pauly never got least dangerous. So how crazy uh, is it? Arn never Austin, got least dangerous either. So yeah. how crazy is it Austin least dangerous and went on probably to have the biggest stardom out of anybody in this group? <laughs> Pretty wild. Pretty wild. Um, all right, so we'll go around for overall thoughts. So seven months in the can, a year of our life spent doing it. Uh Susa, I'll go with you first. Overall thoughts. I mean it's it's a uh, it's a storyline I've always wanted to watch. I mean, this podcast gave me a reason to do it, but I don't know if it necessarily lives up to all the hype that it gets. Like the peaks of the storyline are very high, right? The clash stuff, the stuff with the Steiners, uh, the war games, that stuff all works. But as far as like the in between stuff and the week to week stuff, I 
I mean, you can really cherry pick it. Like, you don't have to watch everything because a lot of it is very formulaic and very similar. And, like, I'm sure at the time it aired, it was great. But I don't know if it necessarily holds up to, like, 2023 standards. And that's the other thing, too. Like, I want, had we done this, like, maybe 10, 15 years ago, would we feel differently? Would the matches be rated higher? I don't know. But that was the thing I've been thinking about, too. But, like, I'm definitely glad that I watched everything because it's always a thing I've wanted to watch but like you don't need to watch absolutely everything you can you can get away with just like cherry picking some of the big stuff that happened on the week to week TV and you can uh, watch like the big stuff that happened on the pay-per-views and clashes and you'll basically get everything you need out of it so yeah I think literally you could pick out a few segments because there wasn't a lot of interviews there wasn't a lot of promos and I think there's some stuff you could pick out, but I also think match-wise, if you want to look for really good matches, I, I don't think there's more than 10 <laughs> out of 100. Mm-hmm. By the way, we watched over 125 matches for this podcast in the last year. So out of 125, I think I could really hang my hook on saying maybe there's 10 max that I would say, you know what, go watch this match. And I think if we went back and listened again, which I won't probably, um, <laughs> yeah, probably 10 matches total. That would be my guess. Uh, Logan, what about you? I struggle with this one to just because uh, I think I, I was really I, I really looked forward to this one. I did enjoy uh, the journey, um, maybe not as much as I would have liked to. Um, I do think there's a there's a part of it like when you're watching such a focused group of people uh, that you just kind of start to notice things that they do a lot. Um, and, and it starts to grind on you eventually. And you're like, oh, well, there's that spot again. There's they're doing this again. You know, it, it it's. There's a good part about it and a bad part about it, but I do. Th- I am glad we took the journey. Um, I, I, di- I did enjoy most of it. Uh, some of it made me just want to bash my brains in. Um, I just looking at some show ratings uh, through the through the 23 episodes. Um, 4.45 was our highest show rating, and we never touched four again. Uh, I think three, 3.87 was our next highest. So wow. um, we went 4.45 on episode four, and we never, ever got above four again. So uh, if that God. tells you anything, that uh, and we had uh, we had quite a few ones. Um, I, I can't. Uh, do that math real quick, but I think we I think we went one or below at least two or three times. So, and we went below below one uh, twice. Uh, we had a point three eight, and then I think we had a point eight one or something like that. So, um, yeah, we we didn't go super high on any of the show ratings. Um, I, I think. I think there's good parts of this for sure. We saw some great matches. I'm glad we watched some of the ones that we did. I'm also very disappointed that we had to watch some of the, some of the others that we did. Um, but yeah, fun journey. But um, I, I don't think this makes me think better of the Dangerous Alliance. If anything, uh, they show off in a, wor- a much worse light, in my opinion. I It's still a banger of a freaking War Games and a banger of a class we got at the start, right. though. So mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, you're if right. You, if, if you go back and watch Clash and watch war, that first Clash and then War Games and Super Brawl, I mean, I don't think of Super Brawl. Well, no, not even Super Brawl because I shit all over Rude, that Rude match. But I do think if you watch the big shows, they give you a good context of something enjoyable. So I think yeah. that's my big takeaway for sure. Um, and there's a few spots. Like there is a, I think there was an eight-man that's right. the Super Brawl that was really, really good, right? Mm-hmm. So yep. there are some matches on Saturday night that are really good. Or even that was on syndication, there was one. So there are some good matches to cherry pick for sure. Schiff, what about you? Um, you know, I've always been a little uh, 
higher on, on this than you guys. Um, I, I've enjoyed I've enjoyed it. Um, it did get monotonous with you know the same six or seven wrestlers just still going at it. Makes me also wonder what the hell happened to Ron Simmons as well because he was so a part of this at the start, and then like we, you know, then had the tease of the Steiners. But um, if you look at wrestling as a whole in 1992, from a from a creative standpoint, they're they're doing pretty decent with. You know, WWF was starting to get a little dark and everything with Flair coming in. And then you have this. But at, um, you know, where it was important with making money, they both really weren't making money. But it was nice to see this. I can cross it off like my personal wrestling bucket list because I remember like I was like three or four at the time. So, I, I mean, I was three during this. So it's not like you have many core memories. I just know I watched wrestling. So it was nice to finally see this, but I do agree with you, Sean. If you watch the big events, the clashes, the pay-per-views, then I think it would be good. But if you like got to the you know the micro of it instead of the macro, then you uh, would see the cracks. All right, and um, Jake, I know you weren't on every episode. You were mm-hmm. actually on the big pay-per-views and the clashes, and then tonight you actually he got thought to- everything was great. Yeah, well, no, because he actually got to see the end game tonight too. So he got to see a little extra. So Jake. I've listened along with you guys like yeah. and you know as you've gone through it and I think it does come off better if you have only been on the shows I've been on I think like the dangerous line stuff shows that like it's just where WCW was because you've guys have talked about that a lot too like the backstage stuff mm-hmm. it kind of showed that even if you have a cool concept and a lot of talent involved like if the backstage stuff is not, if you don't have all your ducks in a row and the management's changing, it's hard for them to put together like a cohesive storyline. And I think another thing that hurt, like, like we always go over when we do these pay-per-views, what other matches are on the cards? And I mean, like, look at this one. Besides like the Steiner stuff, and Pillman, yeah. it's like they, I feel like it's hurt by them having to rely on these guys way too much to fill TV also and like overexposing them a bit. Because they have nobody else. Everybody else is fucking Van Hammer and, you know, all these other schmucks. So they have no other big angles or anything really to, like, take up TV. So it's like they just try and fill all these TV shows with these guys. And that hurts it, too. So I think if WCW is in a better spot management-wise and maybe a little more loaded with talent, I think this could have been executed a lot better. But I'm with you. I mean, you can't deny it's not, you know, there's a lot, there's a lot of it that's kind of a slog. Yeah, and and the uh, other problem is is these guys are probably some of the most talented on the roster. So, I mean, you don't want to see these guys have squash matches because they can have entertaining matches with guys. But at some point, you need to squash the guys that are lower on the card. You need to squash the Backwells. Mm -hmm. You need to squash the Van Hammers. You need to squash, I mean, maybe have somewhat competitive match with Big Josh, but you need to squash the Big Joshes. Like... Just at some point, maybe not. The fucking Patriots, for God's sake! Come on, the Patriots, yeah, yeah. Chip, Chip, and uh, Champion, yeah. Like, just at some point, make them look dominant. There were very few. I mean, and I know it happened at some point, so I can't say it never happened. But there were very few times where they just looked like they were a force, and they wanted to be dominant. And Jake said it in the War Games match. They finally looked. They looked like they were ready to go. They looked. They looked awesome. They looked tan. They looked Jack. They looked great going into that match. But at no point did they ever feel like they were just like they were the horsemen. They were running the show. They were kicking everybody's ass. They were taking everybody out. Yeah, they won a lot of matches. Yeah, they cheated a lot. But like they always kind of escaped. With Matt, with wins, and you know, it just—I I know it's not all about squashes, but it's a blessing and a curse that these are some of the best in the 
in the business so they can have good matches with pretty much anybody. I mean, maybe not Larry, but everybody else uh, for the most part. But it's just it, it, like I said, it's a blessing and a curse. But that's that was the real thing that stuck with me that made me disappointed because they just never seemed like this just absolute dominant faction that could run the bit, run the business and take everybody out. It was nothing. like So for me to wrap it up here, like I, I have a fond memory of this because it was during my time frame when I was watching wrestling and I wasn't, I was watching it every week, but I wasn't watching it obviously back to back to back. Like we were for this, I, what they were trying to go for was horsemen. Now here's the difference in the horsemen. The horsemen is the wrestlers were amazing. Their, their opponents were amazing. They had squash matches that they could do. The other thing that was killer about the horsemen is were their promos because their promos were amazing. They said what they were going to do and they did it. Yeah, the faces beat the shit out of them, but you had faces like Dusty Rhodes. You had faces like when Akita was a face. You had Magnum TA. You had Ron Garvin. You had these faces that were believable that really could beat the shit out of them. Um, not Patriots, not fucking Freebirds, not Big Josh, you know, not any of those guys. So I think the lack of promos does hurt them. And Arn Anderson even said that on his podcast that it wasn't a promo heavy thing. It was more matches at this time because they didn't believe in promos. And the promos we have talked about, if anything, have probably hurt it more than helped it in a lot of cases, except that it's Paul Heyman. Um, the other thing I will say, which is interesting, is it had a reverse effect for me a little bit where I was going in thinking, oh, man, I'm going to love the Alliance and the Alliance. What it did for me, it made me a huge Dustin Rhodes fan, which I already am by the way, but it even cemented for me, like the journey of Dustin here from Halloween Havoc to now has truly cemented him as this guy is a main player for me. Like his journey has been great. Barry Wyndham has been amazing on this podcast. And for me, Ricky Steamboat has also been an MVP in this. And I, again, I've never hated Ricky Steamboat. I know the running gag is I'm not a Steamboat guy. No, the gag is I'm not a big fan of a famous match he was in at Mania with a match that should have been more high stakes and more bloodthirsty. And we had a tropey end with Georgie Animal Steel. That's what I hated. But Steamboat has been very, very good on this pod um, from the start. And, had and, great match. and you fell in love with Larry. And, and I did fall <laughs> in love with Larry for the wrong reasons. Um, actually, I was already in love with Larry from Highway to the Impact Zone. This just made me love him even more because he's just absurd. Um, absolutely absurd, and I love him for that reason. So there's a lot of good that came out of this for me. It just wasn't good from the standpoint of where I felt like the Alliance was this great group with a great legacy and dynasty that I had perception of that it's not there. And that, for me, that's disappointing. Uh, but it still gave me a great freaking War Games. It still gave me probably one of the greatest Clash of the Champions I've ever seen. Rude's Arrival is still an all-time great moment. That Clash is still fantastic. That War Games is fantastic. Super Brawl overall is still pretty good. Um, the Steiners, for the short time, we've seen them in this time frame. We're good. So there's a lot of good. Just unfortunately for me, it's not as great as I wanted it to be. So I'd be lying if I said it wasn't a disappointment, but I do not regret doing this one bit because we did the full-on journey. I think we might have missed one or two matches tops out of the whole entire run. And I really appreciate you guys doing it with me because this is this is one of those things I've been wanting to do. Like I have a lot of like, list of runs that I want to do for short pods and like time frames. This was my number one to do to start. And the fact that we've gotten to do it and we're done shit, I'll hang my hat on that any day. And it's been a fucking fun ride with a group of guys I love doing pods with. And if anything, I walk away with that and hang my hat on that. So anything else before we close it out, we have uh, Mr. Shiflet do everybody. We're going to have Mr. Shiflet do the plugs tonight because we're tired. 
just want to say thanks for everyone uh, for listening. Uh, like, Sean, like Sean said, I know the five of us have all been on podcasts that uh, we either, well, we all decide to pull the plug and we don't see it to completion. So it's nice to see, um, to see, like, you know, see it from cradle to grave, uh, quote unquote. But uh, it really yeah, was the grave. I had, I had a great, <laughs> yeah. Um, I had a great time doing it, so I hope it came through with uh, to, to the listeners as well. Same. All right. Anything else before we have Shift do his thing and close this fucker out? I guess that's no, the note, Shift. Take it away, Shift. Bat's, right. Bat's, Bat's passed out, so. <laughs> All right. That's the person I'm going to start with. Um, you can uh-huh. catch Bat Souza on on the place to be wrestling feed highway to the impact zone, which also has Logan and Jake, uh, Jake and, Sean. <laughs> and some, and sometimes Sean, Sean once a year, Sean is the, Sean is the sometimes why of a vowel based podcast. I was Fun on fact. two in a row for the first time in over a year. Uh, yep. uh, they must've been recorded the same day. Fun fact. Um, <laughs> I was supposed to take over for Sean when he was not, not there. I've only showed up once and Sean was there. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Um, but yeah, but you can catch Sousa there, and um, when Sousa, you can catch Sousa here on the No So Feed with Extreme Three Way Dance. Him, Jenny, and Justin—they're in uh, 1998 right now. We are seeing Taz maybe start to prime up for a world title run. We sadly see that Shane Douglas' body is starting to betray him, and probably one of the worst times in his career. But that's what happens, uh, sadly. Next up, Logan Crossland. Uh, if you have ears and you are downloaded to the Place to Be Nation pop wrestling or no so feed, you have heard Logan. Some call him the backbone of the feed, and I agree with that sentiment. So let's start it off on uh, he's Logan's on... getting a mice a much nicer plug than I boy guess. Logan with the virtual BJ. <laughs> well, I'm just spitting facts. That's uh, good. Um, so you were saying bullshit when you were talking about me. I get it. Go no, ahead. you were great. I hyped up the stream three-way dance. A highway, you know, we're crazy on there. Um, anyway, back to where I was at. Uh, he's on Who's Next. I'm pretty sure that's the name of the pod. Yep, that's with um, with uh, Andy Atherton, where they talk about the NXT roster. Oh, some people think that's a wet fart. Uh, but, you know, I love the Creed brothers, and that's where we're at. Um, someone mute him. Um <laughs> we already said that oh also uh Souza, myself logan uh jake and sometimes sean he shows up once a year is on youtube roulette uh that is if you enjoy our shenanigans there that's turned up to 11 as they say as there's been some uh mucinex inspired uh <laughs> and, NyQuil. and nyquil when me and sean were sick and we recorded podcasts we don't remember so there's that did I miss any, Logan? Uh, yeah. <laughs> oh, he's on Talking Docs. Uh, there you go. With Jenny Smith and Roger I'm Morse. starting to think this was a bad idea. <laughs> I thought I've enjoyed every minute of as, it. <laughs> as I like to say, it's Talking Cacks with, uh, with Jenny, with Roger and uh, Jenny. That's just the thing I've always said. Um, mm-hmm. Next up, we have Jambalaya Jake Williams. <laughs> Jake is on, as I said, the previously mentioned shows, but he's also on the Ruthlessly Aggressive pod. He's in 2003 right now. By the time you're hearing this, it's probably June 2003. He nearly killed me with May 2003. Um, it, Kevin Nash sucks. Um, how dare you? How dare you? 
Yeah. Um, Jake, are you on anything? Did I miss anything? Uh, I think there's. Uh, oh. Yeah, in uh, PTBNXT. Oh, PTBNXT, which is, if you listen to that, which I'm the only listener, it's slowly killing Jake Jenny and t- the Tim Capel. Next up, you have Sean Kidd. If Sean does a podcast, I'm usually on it. We brought back cock, cro- cock and roll. <laughs> hey, now. Hey, now. We, we, we brought back cock and roll. Um, Logan has joined us on that. We're in after the Great American Bash Tour of 86. I can't remember the months of that. We just watched Lex Luger and Flair have a battle of the belts. Two out of three falls match was actually a banger. Um, uh, Sean also, uh, I think Tra- that was, Traders. Oh, yes. We are also on Traders of the Lost Ark, which I'm on that podcast. Uh, we take over. It's with the Tim Capel and Andy Atherton. We go over comic book arcs. That's a lot of fun. We're usually arguing stuff for in the last previous episode. We did not argue because Longbow Hunters was baller and you got to see uh, balls uh, in the shadow <laughs> of a panel. Um, literally saw balls in the shadow. Yes. Oh boy. And, <laughs> and, and I'm not done. Oh, oh, and, okay. My and, bad. Start. Well, excuse the fuck out of me. Go ahead. And, and to round it in, to round it off, to end, to end it. Uh-huh. I'm tired. Um, I am on uh, Play While You Listen, a video game podcast. Where every month I go over the new uh, video game releases and interview the guest. But also, guys, what's that noise? <laughs> Lucha, Lucha. That's right. Taking over for the speed. Taking over for the spot in the feed is the Linking Up Lucha podcast that's going to be hosted by Logan Crossland. And we got Jacob Williams coming. We got Scott Shufflet. We got Sean Kidd. And our ace in the hole, Jennifer Smith. That's right. We're going over Lucha Underground uh, seasons one through five. So that has an end date as well. I don't know how long it's going to be, but it's going to be awesome. Coming here to the No-So feed. Chef, have you ever been a DJ in a past oh, life? <laughs> no. I was just All right. up as I went. You should become one. All right. So who said that was a bad idea? Because literally, I think to end this pod, that was the perfect way to end it because it's very on brand. I just absolutely that was the best way to end it. So with that, thank you everybody for listening. Chef, well done in closing this motherfucker out. Uh, Jake, thanks for joining us. Uh, Logan, Chef, Matt, thanks for joining me on the journey. Uh, please, if you're just listening to this for the first time, go back and listen to other 22 episodes. This whole, if you thought this uh, episode was nuts, you haven't heard anything until you've gone back and listened to the whole run. But yes, in two weeks from tonight, uh, Link It Up Lucha. Logan will be hosting that pod. We'll be looking at Lucha Underground. Should be a lot of fun. I have never watched Lucha Underground, so I'll be more of a student on that where I can make fun of the flippity doodahs. Uh, so should be a good run. So with that, that is the end of the seven months of danger, and we are out. We will remember you. This is how it feels. As we go on, we remember all the times we had
Will this memory fade when I leave this town? 